Your attention is precious. Pulled in a million directions for a million different reasons. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina works hard to make sure your health insurance isn't one of the many things distracting you from what's important. By making healthcare easier to navigate, we help keep your focus on the moments that matter most. Like dinner with loved ones. Letting you focus on you. That's the benefit of blue. Learn more at benefitofbluesc.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Mic Drop, the podcast where relevancy is irrelevant and we don't give a shit about your feelings. Ladies and gentlemen, it's an honor and a pleasure, as always, to welcome my next guest to the podcast. He is both a husband and a father, a 10-year veteran of the U.S. Navy, nine of which was a canine handler, and six of those was at the infamous SEAL Team 6 or development group. He's been awarded a Purple Heart, a Bronze Star with V for Valor, as well as two other high awards with Valor. He's a graduate of the Silver and Gold Nipopo system and is the owner of Patriot Dog Training out of San Antonio, Texas. He actually taught Cesar Milan how to shh. And <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage Benito Olson. Thank you, Mike. Much appreciated. I appreciate you being here. I know uh, living in the same state for as long as we have, we've hooked up a couple of times, but uh, ne never as many times as we probably should, given uh, that we are in the same state, although it's still like, what, five hours, six hours away. But, but uh, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I know you're busy uh, being a business owner is kind of a motherfucker sometimes with uh, trying to schedule shit like this, and a lot of people prefer to do episodes over the phone. I obviously don't. Uh, but I know it's you know essentially a wasted day for you to come all the way up here, so I appreciate you making the time. No, absolutely. I'm happy to come up here and help you out with what you're doing and get to see you again and chat about maybe Digo and yeah. talk about some things. Fucking A. Um, yeah. What is your favorite brand of shoes? Solomon's. Solomon's. Yeah, that's, got them on right now. That's some team guy shit right there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they, they spoiled me a little bit. Oh, I know it. Have you ever considered beekeeping or being an alpaca shepherd? Never. No, you've never no, thought no. about that? Am I the only asshole that thought <laughs> that? You weren't expecting that question. I was not, no. Uh -uh. That's the whole goal of this. Uh, what's the last thing you regretted? The other last? than coming on this show. <laughs> I I really don't know. I don't... You don't have regrets? I don't really have any regrets. I mean, I believe everything you do, It's I, you do it for a reason. And, yeah. and Anything you wish you could get a mulligan on? It's the last thing you're like, fuck, I wish I had a do-over on that. Anything? nothing maybe the first five years of my kids lives you know going back and being able to redo that again but you know when you serve you can't really control what yeah what happens right is it is it because you you weren't there as much as you wanted to be or? yeah was not there i mean like hardly at all barely there to see my son get born and then as soon as my daughter was born we were you know gone yeah. again yeah so did uh 
Do you feel like that, that that's had a significant impact on where you're at in your relationship with him now? I believe so. I mean, I try to not take any of that for granted. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely with the wife and kids, just, you know, trying to trying to be there and do everything you can for them, you know. And I think sometimes because I wasn't there, you might spoil them a little bit. I mean, I still hold them accountable, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. I try to try to do everything I can for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. That's good shit. I know the feeling. I know, you know, there's certainly things that uh, looking back on, I, I could have done better better as a dad and, and still continue to, to struggle with sometimes. But what is a dog food or treat that you've actually tried or eaten? Uh, Bill, Jack, Bill Jack. Yeah, the, the I've raw tried. stuff? It's the stuff that is in the freezer and you, yeah, they, you thaw like it out. Yeah. In the mustard colored bag. No, it doesn't taste good. I've tried on uh, you know, e collars and stuff before, <laughs> but that's the only uh only dog food I've What can you can you describe the taste of that shit? Because it smells fuck I mean it's got tripe in it. Yeah, it's got molasses and all kinds of <laughs> I mean that's why the dogs love it, you know. Yeah. But uh Yeah. It doesn't nasty, taste huh? as nasty. nasty. Yeah. How much did you eat? Just one of the little, little you know, they come with like little little turds almost it looks that's what it looks like tell <laughs> yeah. you the truth yeah yeah uh two things that you're scared of uh skydiving is one of them oh, uh, sure. yeah i mean when we they would tandem me in you know when they do the dogs and you not having any control over i mean i trusted the guys that tandemed me in but it's yeah. that's definitely a scary thing um let me give you three things all right otbs are scary. That's, that's over the beach for you civilian types where you're in a, in a boat uh, at night generally fucking in rough seas or, or you yeah. know, going through through a surf zone to land on a beach. What uh, you so have some bad experience? I, I don't like for, for very good reason. The first, well, the first time we, you know, we did it like once or twice, you know, they taught us how to do it. But then, you know, when you're doing it with a dog, it's a whole different story and you're being, you get caught in that surf and you're about ready to feel like you're gonna drown because you're sucking in so much water like i could care less to go to the ocean like yeah. it's not my favorite thing to do yeah but yeah man it's no bueno like getting tangled up with a dog is <laughs> like yeah. an otb with a dog uh -huh. right, what's, what's the uh, what's the third uh, the last thing is just dying i mean i've I've, <laughs> yeah. I've you know been there almost once and uh it's you see so much of it and it's like you know how you, you fight to stay alive just the thought of it just freaks me out still to this day yeah yeah are you are you you're a religious guy for for the most part right what's that you you, you have faith in christ i am i am and you know i you know like when i got blown up i was presented with you know something that happened uh that i never really talked about and it's like i i know you know i know jesus is there and and and, and it just but still it's like you know you're human and it's this this cloud that just hangs out hangs in your head yeah, cloud. it is I, I am i am curious and we'll get into the story way more sure. in depth here in a little bit but uh did that single event have a significant impact faith-wise one way or the other or were you pretty pretty convicted prior to that no i mean well so yeah it it played a huge role uh growing up you know i was uh raised in the lutheran church and you're pretty much forced to go to church yeah um confirmation i did confirmation you and me both yeah, so, and the crazy thing about confirmation is, is I got in late, so I had to do, like, two years of confirmation in one. Like, I was going to two different classes just to catch up, and so I not resented religion. I just, it was like, it was a pain in your ass. you had to do it, you know? And I think then, they do it online now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <kidding>. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, You know, and then after getting blown up, 
you know, my, my wife's mom is very religious. And so seeing that and just her always, you know, constantly reminding me that, you know, God's good. And, you know, my wife just, God is good. And, you know, we're blessed. And no matter what, you know, no matter how little we have, you know, we're still here. And so. Do you get along with your mother-in-law? I do. But that was not always like that, though. You know, um, to work up to it. Yeah. Like it it took a long time. And, um, but it, she always just wanted, you know, for my good. Right. Like you just don't see that when you're 24 years old. I think she's being overbearing and micromanaging. (laughs) A little bit. I love her though. I love her to death. That's good shit. You don't hear that often. So that is refreshing to hear. Uh, one thing that I have to ask you, because I know people are going to, going to wonder how many times have you been bit? Like legitimately bit. Not, um, I've been uh, like shot at the title. Like we're going to do the man dance bit, not not just a little little nip. nip. I would say three or four times. Um, I've had my wrist torn open. You have a big ass scar right there. I can see my artery pumping. Yeah, and then I've had my tear duct torn. Jesus, like I've had been bit in the face. Lucky not to lose I was, an eye. I was on a that fucking one. idiot when I did it too. So uh, it was a, yeah, it's yeah. dumb. I know it. Uh, any bones broken from it? No. Uh, all all while you were at the command at uh at no this is before all before the command it was while i was learning how to be learning. a handler yeah, <laughs> yeah learning how to not be a dumbass yeah 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 no shit uh here's a good question what uh what do you love most about yourself i don't you can't say nothing um yeah i've never had <laughs> never had to think about that um that's that's the whole point yeah i you know just being more open to people and not just so quick to just, just to judge everybody, you know, and just trying to, I, I try to share kindness with people. I mean, is that something that you've historically struggled with? Like, or, uh, is that something that? No, feel- no, I've always cared about people. Yeah. I just more so now I, you know, I try to like push it onto my kids to be kind. Cause you know, we live in a world where everybody's an asshole. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's, and you know, I want my kids to grow up to, you know, doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter what you believe in. It doesn't matter what kind of job you have. You still respect people, you step, know, regardless, right? Step one: don't be an asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The book of life. Um, this is one question I do ask absolutely everybody: is uh, what is your morning routine? I know you travel a fair bit, but on on normal days where you're at at uh, at home, what uh, what does a, a normal day in Benito's life look like? So on on a typical day, you know, I get up and, and feed the two dogs that we have well one of ours ours and one of one's living with us but uh i i recently joined a crossfit gym no and shit. uh this was like well this was back in june when i did it and so i try to go th- three days a week yeah. um so i wake up at 4 30 to go do that Jesus. and but what's cool is those are not like in your face like you know we've got a very wide range of people you yeah. know from ages on up and then just body sizes and everything and so it's nice you don't feel the crazy pressure and um that's what i liked about this gym and that's why i went there but uh yeah anyways that's beside the point so i get done doing that and then um pretty much just get ready and head straight to straight to the facility i mean that's a daily thing for me do you do a uh like a pre-workout anything to eat or do you take anything to eat anything afterwards? no i just i go work out and then i come back cook my two eggs and a couple pieces of bacon and then uh you know, head do, on in. Do you subscribe to, uh, from an eating standpoint, like paleo, keto? Is that kind of more? I haven't, no. I mean, my wife, she, when she buys, you know, groceries and stuff like that, she tries to, you know, stick to, the, you know, the outside and not buy all the, 
yeah. you know, stuff on the in the middle. So you're not yeah. you're not doing oatmeal and shit for breakfast, just straight no, eggs and bacon. Yeah. Eggs and bacon. What uh, do you have any any fitness goals in terms of uh, being at the CrossFit gym, or is it just more like you, you got to do something and that's a fucking gym to stay active with? Um, so I love being around um, people while working out. Um, because that's the one thing I miss about the military was the group PT. I thought, I thought that was so much fun. And, um, especially, you know, like when I went to the command, um, you know, we'd go out on runs together and go do the uh, obstacle course and all that. And, um, while this isn't the same, it's, it's similar in a sense, um, because, you know, they, you know, all the workouts are, you know, group oriented and people are trying to push each other and, and what I've liked about most CrossFit gyms too now is that they're adopting a lot of these workouts that are that honor you know a lot of yeah. the fallen and so yeah, it's the just hero wads those are fucking yeah, awesome. yeah yeah no that's good shit um, all right so I know I know I think I know where you're from because uh, you're a big Vikings fan but I, I always like to get a little bit of context in terms of where you're from and and what uh, what your childhood was like I think it's important to. Uh, to spend a few minutes talking about that, uh, where you're from, Minnesota. I'm from Minnesota, yeah. So being from from Iowa, uh, we probably grew up just a few hours apart. Um, I, I would uh, ascertain your childhood was probably somewhat similar to mine, but I'm curious uh, what what was uh, growing up in. Is it a suburb of, of Minneapolis? Or? Yeah, so I grew up in Salt St. Paul, Minnesota. It's a very small town, big big hockey town. Like did I mean, you, they did were. Did you play growing up? Or? I did not know. It's too expensive. Yeah, yeah too expensive. So yeah, I grew up. Uh, for the most part, in the beginning, it was a uh, single mom. Uh, my dad, you know, he he was a kid, you know, trying to raise a kid, and uh, he just really wasn't around. And um, ended up going to prison a little bit later uh, for six years, five years, or something like oh, that. Shit. Yeah, while well, I was a teenager, and so um, you know, I had a stepdad, but that relationship wasn't the greatest. Yeah. Um, you know, so was was your mom pretty young? Um, yeah, she was twenty years older than me. The same oh, birthday sure. and everything. Yeah. God damn. Yep. So, yeah. um, so grew up with a single mom. Did you have uh, siblings? I had a sister. Yeah. Sister. Like I have a sister. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's older, younger. Yeah, she's younger. Yeah. About How, four years. Did you guys uh, get along fairly well growing up? Or? Yeah, we got along. I mean, you know, we, you know, you fight like, you know, uh, yeah. which is weird because my own kids, I don't. I don't see that. Like it's, it, they have a very different relationship. Yeah. My, it's very my weird. Kids fucking hate each other half the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, well, we we tried that. You know, I think we had a good relationship growing up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Still, still to this day. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, we haven't really had any, you know, fights or anything like yeah. that. Maybe a few years ago, it might have not have been so good, but yeah. What uh, What does she do? Um, she's a stay at home mom, and uh, they live down in uh, Alabama. Oh no shit. Yeah. Well, that's good stuff. Um, grow, so growing up, you didn't play hockey. Uh, were there any any sports that you gravitated towards, or any any athletics in general? Um, basketball. I played football till about ninth grade, and then you know I just was wanting to do do more of like basketball. And does, uh, does Benny have fucking hops or what? <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't that good. No, I joined really late, and um, you know it was just one of those things. Like I did it because I, you know, wanted to be around a certain group of people. I had yeah. friends that did it, you know, and I, yeah. you know, it was just what, one. Of, uh, what position did you play? Uh, Fuck, I don't know. I don't remember, dude. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I don't remember. Um, I played uh, at the very end of the game when we were losing really bad. Is <laughs> that's, that's how good I was. Yeah. yeah. Or, so, or if you're up by forty fucking points. Or yeah, or yeah, or yeah. if we're doing really good. And I know some of my friends are probably listen, will listen to this and they'll yeah. they'll laugh because they know. Yeah, um, that's fucking great. 
in in terms of that that upbringing, were there um, you know from a traumatic standpoint or, or kind of big life changing standpoint? Were there any events uh, that you experienced uh, as a child or growing up that that drastically impacted your life in any way? You know, my dad going to prison and was a huge thing, and just having to step up without having that male role, role model. You know, I'm surprised at the way that I turned out. You know, because yeah. Statistically, it doesn't turn out that great, but my mom was an amazing mother and, um, you know, my stepdad for, you know, all the issues he had, you know, they financially still supported us and, um, you know, but there was, you know, a lot of things. I mean, it was just. What, what was that experience like having a dad in prison in fucking high school? I mean, there's, there's gotta be some element of like street cred. No, I mean, no? well, I mean, the kids, kids knew, I mean, you know, my friends knew, um, I think it's what caused me to, you know, get in all, you know, some fights and stuff yeah. like that. And like people uh, busting your fucking balls about it. That, and I think I was just an angry kid yeah. sometimes, you know, and I'd take that frustration out on, you know, just kids running their mouths and, yeah. um, you know, yeah. What, uh, can I ask what, what he was in for? So, uh, he was in for, uh, a few different things, but mainly money laundering and, uh, and drug dealing. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of impact did that have on you in terms of, um, you know, in whether it was a, f- a fuel or motivation to, to serve, was there, was there any relation to that? So actually I wanted to be a police officer because of that. Oh, sure. I actually joined the explorers, um, for St. Paul and I was an explorer for a little bit. And then, um, I went to college in minnesota for about a year before i got sick of it and then uh that's when i joined the military but i was initially going for being a police officer yeah oh shit what uh was it like a, a juco or what it was a junior college yeah it was like a, a community college yeah. yeah what now what didn't you like about that well what i didn't like is you know my my mom had moved with my stepdad back down to alabama that's where he was from i guess mm-hmm. and so i was kind of left to 18 years old, find an apartment, you know, because they had no dorms there. Find an apartment, get a job, and make sure I can still take care of myself. And after about a year, I was just tired of doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Uh, and you were going to the, the junior college in terms of your class load and all that was geared towards being a cop? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. And then it, after, so after a year, you decide, fuck this, I'm joining the military. Can you walk walk us through that? that process in terms of both where your head was at and, and just kind of chronologically what happened? Yeah. So, um, just backing up uh, a year or uh, junior in high school, I joined actually the national guard. Oh shit. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> I, maybe it was my senior year and, um, you know, my mom definitely didn't like it, but it's something that I wanted to do. I went to a couple other weekend deals, you know, they hadn't sent, and sent me to boot camp or anything like that yet. Yeah, and there was stuff going on at home, and I knew my mom was going to be leaving, and I was like, uh, "I need to go somewhere away from here." Yeah. And I wanted to go active duty. Well, I learned that that's not the same as the National Guard; they can't just transfer you. Yeah, and so I just said, "I'm not going anymore." And so, uh, you know, part of that I felt like a quitter, you know, because I was like, "I don't want to stay here. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. I do want to do this, but I don't want to do it here." Yeah. Ended up going to college. The the guy from the National Guard said I'd never amount to anything. I mean, oh, in a lot of different words, though. <laughs> and uh, said they were going to arrest my mom and stuff like that because she, she had a sign for me to join. And Jesus. And uh, Fucking stand-up guy. It, yeah, it, it really was. And So, anyways, I'm, I'm in college, and I'm like, I really need to get out of here. Well, this Navy recruiter, this, his name's Chief Karst. 
he uh he kept on har- not harassing me in high school but just you need to come join the navy you need to come join the navy i'm like i don't want to join the navy you know what's there to do in the navy for me and um finally i went to him and i was like i need to get out of here he's like i don't know if i can get you out of here you got an re3 discharge that's what the national guard did to me gave me a nice re3 discharge and and for the listeners what is re3 it's like, uh, I don't know exactly what it says. But That's it, good, because fuck me either, and I just didn't want to sound stupid. Yeah, it, no, it, it, <laughs> it basically, uh, to get back into the military, it's pretty difficult. No shit. Yeah. So is, is it similar, like, an other than honorable? Like, it's pretty not much. dishonorable. Yep. No shit. I mean, it's not very good. And uh, and so I had to go see the commanding officer for the recruiting district, which, no, when you're signing up, you don't ever have to do that. Yeah. And he's like, I'm putting my name down on you. And he's like, why should I do this for you, let you join my Navy? And I said, I'm going to do everything I can to be, you know, not be all that I can be, but be, <laughs> be the best, you know, be the yeah. best and, and you know, yeah. try to make people proud of me and stuff like that, you know. So yeah. um, I wanted it really bad. Yeah. So uh, what what year was this when that was taking place? Um, 2003. Okay. So... From from that point, so he slaps his name and, and kind of gives you the, the ominous, dominus fucking endorsement. Um, you went, I'm assuming you went to uh, to Great Lakes, right? I did, yeah. And uh, from from boot camp, like, was there, at that point, I mean, at, at what point were you like, I want to get involved in dogs, or, or was that something you decided even before? So I had no, no concept of what the canine world was. I mean, I knew that they had dogs and stuff like that, but it was never, I I had some dogs growing up, but I really didn't, you know, I wasn't a dog person, right? Like it just. So you never did any kind of training or like just pet, just had a pet and that was about it. Just had a pet that, you know, hung out in the yard and just, yeah. So I never had a a drive for that. But then uh, when I was in uh, a school, which is basically, um, you know, your your initial schooling for your job um, for master at arms. I was a master at arms military police, basically. Yeah. And I saw the canines searching the barracks. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know? Did you sign up to be like, did you, when you joined the Navy, did was master at arms or military police, was that part of the, the joining process? Like you signed up for that? Yeah. So that was app, that was part of it. Yeah. I mean, that was it, before then it wasn't like that. They were mm-hmm. trying to shove all these people into that a school cause they were, you know, they were trying to bump up the Manning to like 10,000 master at arms, yeah. you know, security forces. Just what we need is more fucking cops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you um, know, I love you. The blue line, fuck off and get your panties in a twist. Um, um but yeah, anyway, so I saw him at the barracks, and then um, I got actually asked to go. I was like, I want to get as close as I can to Iraq. That was the whole reason. Nine uh, eleven was the whole reason why I joined the National Guard because I wanted to go and do something. Well, I found out that that's not like that. Like, yeah. yeah, they'll get activated and deployed, but that's not always the case. So yeah. they sent me to Bahrain, this little ass country, yeah. and uh, little ass island where all you do is drink and you know party and um you felt like a security guard in the yeah. desert you know and uh, well, and, and for the listener uh just a little bit of backdrop or context the bahrain is essentially a u.s military base right in the middle of the of the gulf um you know situated in in between kuwait and iraq and and uh it's it's where a lot of uh you know military operations are are forwardly based uh, we'll put it that way um, but you know, I remember when we were there seeing you know a lot of the, there was a shit ton of uh, MAs and you know military police guys there doing doing all sorts of shit. I, I am curious, like 
so your first duty station, I mean, you graduate from, uh, from master at arms, a school and, and they send you straight to fucking to Bahrain. Yep. And so was it at Bahrain? Is that where you, where you first got involved with? Yeah. So I saw the, uh, I saw the way the canines interacted with their handlers. I saw them sweeping the buses for explosives because we said kids that would go to the little Dodds, whatever it's called. I don't know the the full name for Department of Defense Dependent School or whatever. And um, I thought that was really interesting that, you know, you're like the first line of defense for a lot of things, you know, and here it was for these kids. And uh, how can I be a part of that? Um, So I actually uh, volunteered at the kennel there. On uh, my off time, we were working like 12 to 16 hour days mm-hmm. and I would go in after my off time and uh, work in port and starboard and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, that's right and left for you non-Navy <laughs> yeah, assholes. Yeah. Um, so we were working, you know, every day pretty much. And I would go over there and put in as much time. They put me in a suit. And this is before I knew, like, you probably shouldn't put a new guy in the suit. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. you could mess up the dog and. You know, they'd send me out 50 yards and let these dogs just pummel me. And I'm yeah. like, you know, get my ass kicked. And yeah. yeah. So I am curious, like, so you're in Bahrain. You you start volunteering and getting involved in that program. At what point, like, did you apply? Did they recruit you? And also, did you have to come back um, to, to Lackland at that time to go through school? Or what, what was that process? Yeah. So my watch commander of the security, you know, security police basically signed off on me to go over to the kennel full time after the kennel was like hey we want you how, and how long had you been like at three Bob? months no shit yeah that's, I, that's not typical no I, I i busted my ass and i and i'll be the first to say i truly busted my ass like yeah. I, i'll never pat myself on the back but um that'd be the one time i would say like i tried try my hardest put in the work didn't you know fuck anybody over to get there yeah and it was it was it was amazing so yeah i got they asked me to come over full time, and then a couple months later, I was uh, about a month later. I went to uh, Lackland in April of two thousand four. Yeah, what was uh, what was your impression of going from volunteering to going to Lackland in the school? I'm curious, like especially knowing what you know now, like what was what was dog or canine boot camp like for uh, for you at at Lackland? Yeah, yeah. it was. Um, I was want to say it was like you know legalized hazing you know like it was well you know because again before right now they were bumping up all the mas and to have a dog handler that was an e2 or an e3 you know with like seaman, seven months in the navy yeah seven months in the navy they're like what the fuck are you doing here yeah. i had you know second classes e5 e6s that were like you know at the school that had been waited a long they had waited a long time to go to that school and here i come showing up in my you know dcu's desert camis and uh they were your number one fan yeah yeah oh yeah i yeah i got yeah Let the shit beat out of you huh? pretty much i mean the army uh staff sergeant that was in charge of you know our our guys he would put the marines up against me and like you know try to put me in a chokehold and shit you know just stupid yeah. shit like that yeah. and uh it was just yeah it was it was fun i yeah. mean looking back on it, it was fun i mean i Definitely got humbled. Humbled. What, what was your impression uh, in terms of dog knowledge of of what you gained in that eight week period? Because one of the things I'm always fascinated by is um, is kind of the the lack of uh, education that takes place in a lot of basic handler courses. Given the fact that you know once people graduate, uh, whether it's with the police department or military, is that their their prospective 
units consider them fucking dog experts you know in a lot of ways and you know to me like it, spending eight weeks doing fucking anything isn't going to make you an expert i mean it gives you enough enough information to be dangerous but i i'm curious like again kind of with all the years that you spent which we'll get into here in a minute uh you know on a very high level of operating with a dog like what's your perspective of what that that handler course is like at a, at a basic level now looking back so i don't know what it's like now but i can tell you then they taught you enough to be able to pull the dog out handle it make it sniff things uh you know basic commands like anything about dog behavior wasn't huge yeah. you know what i mean like not re- like they, they taught you they taught you operant conditioning and classical conditioning and all that but that that was it. Yeah. I mean, that was the the length of actually dog training. Like, you know, this is how dogs think type of thing. Like, it was just you're gonna put a leash in your hand. Well, you're gonna put a leash on your hand with connected to an ammo can. Yeah, I've seen some video of that shit. It looks ridiculous. It looks ridiculous. <laughs> but um, before I left to go there, they were ha- in Bahrain. They were having me hook the leash up to a fence, so and just practicing giving corrections. Because again, like for whatever reason, corrections seem to be the the biggest thing that people emphasize their training on. It's like, how about just train the dog to do the do the right thing the first yeah. time and not have to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so that either. was like the biggest thing, and it was. Now it makes sense looking back because we used to, you know, people are watching. We used to choke dogs out, you know, because we didn't know any other way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. was just. No, I, I see it all the time, I and mean, I, I go and do seminars and, and uh, conferences and shit with a lot of police units. Uh, you know, an occasional military group will be present, or federal law enforcement, or what have you. And uh, I, I'm still to this day here in fucking 2019, fascinated at uh, at how much compulsion and force is used, and not really putting yourself in the dog's shoes and looking at it from their perspective, and that. You know, if you just fucking spend a little time bonding with them and motivating them to to do what you want, it always pans out a thousand times better. Especially when you're talking about you know sniffing for explosives. You know, yeah. like why would you want a dog that's looking over its shoulder, waiting to have his ass handed to him, while he's looking for fucking IEDs, vice? You know, a dog that's super pumped because he knows if he finds it, it's like a game. He's going to get paid and, and have a fucking you know have the the canine equivalent to winning uh, you know a sweepstakes or whatever. But uh, what uh what was your your level like at the end of that i mean so you were there what eight weeks eight weeks yeah and so you you were you assigned a dog at at the end of that eight weeks like what did you well so i left uh when i left lackland a dog was waiting on me in in bahrain so you didn't go through handler course with the dog that i did yeah we went through i mean we were assigned dogs throughout the time that you were there based on how the instructor felt you were doing Hmm. you know and they always gave you these dogs that had Fucking no obedience, pulling your ass. I mean, that's all they do. Yeah, they pull like literally would drag your ass all over the, all over Lagland. Yeah, and it was just like, what the hell? Like yeah. your hand was red by the time you were done. Were, were you guys not doing any any patrol or bite work? We were well? doing patrol work and bite work. Yeah, it was just your basic stuff though. You know, putting a decoy out in the field somewhere and then yeah, send the dog. Yeah. So su- super elementary by comparison. It was. Yeah. I mean, they. You know, you got people of all different levels there um, learning and you know it's like any military course you got to make it as basic as possible lowest common denominator yeah yeah yeah. so all right so you you graduate there you go back to bahrain and and so just so i'm clear the the dog that was waiting for you in bahrain is not the dog that you are not a dog that you were with in 
in your uh, basic no. Canadian school? No, not I mean, at To all. me, that seems almost absurd, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's, you know, you know, when they send dogs back to Lackland that are either washed out or, you know, are too old or things like that. I mean, yeah, I, I do agree. It, it is It is unfortunate, but the dog that was waiting for me actually knew a ton more than yeah i knew so yeah. that dog was ready to actually teach me you know what i mean where where does so the dog that was waiting for you i mean was that a dog that was that had already been handled by somebody yeah yeah so, so all these season. dogs yeah they all stay at the uh at the base you know yeah. so they just turn over different handlers i am curious and you know this is for for my knowledge base as much as anything is that what does that pipeline or process look like in terms of you've got you know, a unit like Bahrain, you've got, you know, Lackland where, you know, most of the dogs are coming from. Are they getting dogs just sent to them that are pre-trained? Is the unit in Bahrain training them or how, like, how does that? Yeah. Happen? So I don't want to piss off anybody at Lackland, but a lot of the dogs that are coming out of Lackland, these guys are having to push these dogs and it's not the, not the trainer's fault. It's the amount of time they fucking give them to, to, to do these dogs because everybody wants dogs. Like the pool of dogs that are out there right now, that it's getting harder and harder to find good dogs. I'm mm -hmm. sure you've heard oh, that. But yeah, fuck, I live it. <laughs> yeah, so you know they're they're having to push out these dogs as fast as they can, and some of them aren't perfect. Like I got a handler that just messaged messaged me a couple weeks ago. Hey, I, this dog doesn't know what down is. Yeah, like they're just he just is a detector dog that knows how to detect stuff. Like, excuse me, like dog doesn't know down. Yeah, you know and. So, and I, now this reminds me, I have to get a hold of him to do a video for him yeah. to show him how to teach the dog down. And yeah. it's just, uh, and it's the handler at Lackland now. No, no, he's out and he's, he's out in the fleet. Oh, okay. so, yeah. Jesus. So I guess, so the, the question being, you know, are the dogs coming from like, is Lackland sending yes. Bahrain dogs and then they get them, so yep. you kind of order the dog and then they get them, give them when you can. And yeah, whenever you're next up on the list, I'm yeah. not sure how that process works, but that's yeah. how it was then. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you go back to Bahrain. You link up with your first dog. What was his name? His name was Bren. Bren. Yeah. What, he's a, uh, so tell tell me about that experience. He was that. a black shepherd that was uh, just jet black. It was the coolest thing. You know, I'd walk down the street at night, and you know, the carriers and stuff would pull in, and people would it would be like part in the sea. Yeah. You know, because you'd walk with that dog, and you know, he looked like a wolf. Yeah. You know, all black and straight detection dog, but that dog was so smart. And that dog actually taught me how to recognize change of behavior and things like that. Yeah. Um, when a dog's on odor and when a dog's bullshitting you and, and whatnot, he's an amazing dog. Yeah. How old was he when you got him? I would say four or five. Yeah. And had already been handled for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Were there any uh, cool stories of uh, things that you that you did with him um, while you handled him, or was it was it pretty? You know, after being at. <laughs> after being at seal team six yeah. and you try to think of like with him i mean not really not really man like we <laughs> yeah. were searching barges and buses and you know whenever there was a bomb threat we were called so again it was like that you're the first one there yeah. and it's just like and i like that you know i yeah. like you know uh people relying on yeah. the team to do that and uh did he ever find anything? He never did. I mean, he responded on a cement truck, which is, I mean, it was actually a pretty big deal because there's cement trucks coming in all the time. They never found anything. Yeah. Um, so it could have been a false response. Um, yeah. but, but the thing was, is the dog never falsed on me before, you yeah. know? So it was just, it was really weird. Usually if dogs, 
you know, you know, miss miss something or false respond. They're doing it a lot. There's a yeah. pattern of it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So um, you spend how how long were you handling him for, or how long did you handle him? Um, about a year or so, and then we had some some new dogs that were getting ready to come in, and I had a chief who like really believed in me. I mean, he was the reason why I went to dog school mm-hmm. in the first place. He's still my one of my good friends uh, to this day, and so we had a new dog coming in, and he's like, "I want to put you on him," and it was a different experience yeah what yeah. uh was he a more green harder dog or? yeah he's a green dog he's a little malinois and just full of piss and vinegar just i mean he was he, he was a, a different different type of dog everybody wants to know what the goddamn dog's name was what was this it? Is it leo 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 yeah how do you spell that leo or leo? l-e-o oh leo yeah leo. Leo. Um, yeah so with leo what uh were you kind of charged at that point? Like, okay, now you got a year under your belt with a seasoned dog. Like, did you have to do a lot of his training? I, I assume. Or? Yeah. So you, yeah, I had to do a lot of you know certifying him at the command and uh, and bringing him up to to the level that they expected him. And I was still a green handler. Yeah. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like, I only had a year or so into this thing, and it was just a different experience. And, and again, it was, you felt the pressure yeah. because, you know, you already have people that think you shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And then now you're sitting there trying to prove yourself again, not fucking anybody over in the process. Yeah. And, uh, it's really hard, you know, cause you're trying to be a hard, hard charger is what they, they call it. And a lot of people, you know, they want to sit in their vehicles. Yeah. You not know, respond that, to shit. No. And you not train. And, and luckily I had, um, several people there that, you know, wanted to train and yeah. Yeah. Is this uh, is this one of the, or is this the dog that you had the experiences where you, where you got bit? No, that was actually um, uh, so when I had Bren is when I got bit, and by it wasn't him? by no, oh. it wasn't by him. It was I had him in the back of the vehicle. Another handler went to open the back of the vehicle. He pushed out of the pushed the door completely open of the crate and uh, started getting in a dog fight. I literally stuck my hand right in the middle of him, and you know. Not the right way to do it. Yeah, stuck my hand in the middle of them. The other dog bit me, and I managed to get my dog. And yeah, yeah. What uh, What about the face one? So the face one, it was completely on me. Stupid, right? So 
I'm even embarrassed to talk about this, but I have a lady that's that that is with me right now that brought her dog to me. She got bit in the face almost for the exact same reason. Yeah. One of the handlers had a dog, um, and I reached down just to pet it, and I went to give it a kiss on the nose. <laughs> and, um, You're that guy. I yeah, <laughs> I'm that guy, and that's why I preach it now. You know, I was young. I was like yeah. 20 or 19 years old. Dog bit me in the face, yeah. like, and I had to go to this hospital in the United Arab Emirates, yeah. like this little fucking hole in the wall. Yeah, and uh, they just ended up leaving it all open because they didn't want to mess with it. Yeah, but here's what I love about that, though, is is a couple of things. Is one is that you're man enough to admit it because a lot of people wouldn't. You know, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I fucking, they'd make up some bullshit story about same thing. They're breaking up a fight or something. But to me, what what it highlights and, and what I love, and, and God knows, I've made. I, I I lost track of how many stupid fucking mistakes I've made in, in my career training yeah. dogs, but is that, you know, everybody started out knowing absolutely fucking nothing and yeah. did a bunch of dumb shit and learned the hard way. And so, you know, for any prospective handlers out there or, you know, people listening that are even thinking about joining the service or, or getting involved with dogs is that understand is that every, every single fucking person, you know, the best trainer in the world started out knowing absolutely nothing doing a bunch of dumb shit and uh, i mean i appreciate you sharing the sharing the story and it also highlights highlights that even uh dev group jedis give dog kisses right? <laughs> yeah that was before but, you know that was before and i mean i was bit in the face again and it was you know decoy and i flipped and the dog reattached and it grabbed hold of my head. luckily it wasn't luckily it let go right away you know what yeah. i mean but this was all my fault and I've got a client in right now who she went to go give her dog a hug, tore her face up, oh, shit. and all her relatives were like, "You need to put that dog down." Yeah. And then I told her, "Is that truly your dog's fault? If your your dog let you know that Stop he's not, him. yeah, he's not comfortable with that. Some dogs don't need that. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't do. I don't do it with any of the dogs. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Yeah, that's a good way to get bit uh, for sure. You see it uh, like I've seen. I don't know how many news clips of like reporters doing that shit and getting you know their their whole face you know enveloped in a dog's fucking jaw and it just you know or, or like fairly recently here i saw i think it was in colorado there was a it was like a, an outdoor patio on a restaurant and there was like an akita sitting there and some chick came up just shoved her face right in the dog's face and he bit the shit out of her and, you know and everybody's like that fucking dog you know and it's just like i don't know how we as a society have become that fucking stupid uh, and that unrealistic in terms of you know that that kind of blanket policy of of both with with kids, adults, and and dogs is that you know violence or aggression is is never acceptable under under any circumstance. And to me, it's like bullshit. You know, uh, you know that's that's how dogs communicate is is with their fucking mouth. You know, and and so it it, it continues to baffle me uh, with some of the policies that uh, that our society manages to to conjure up, but. Um, were there other instances during that that uh, timeline where you where you learned a lesson the hard way via a dog's mouth? No, that was it. That was That's enough. A, for was you. enough for me to know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So how how long did you have the how long did you have Leo the Malinois for? Um, probably another year, and then I you know ended up transferring. I was in Bahrain for two and a half years. Were were both those dogs patrol and explosive? Just Leo. Leo was my first patrol dog. Yeah. Did he ever get any bites while you were at? No, uh, I mean we rarely saw anything bad happen there. Uh, the, the the time that you were at the command, were there about how many handlers are there there? 
Can you share that? At, at, at Dem- oh, at, at Bahrain. You know, they're anywhere from 15 to 25 antlers. And what, the time you were there, were, did any of the dogs find anything or bite anybody or were there any? No, I mean, our TDY missions, you know, were sent to like to go live in some villa yeah. in the UAE and go sweep more boats and, you know, getting yeah. like $150 a day per diem, yeah. crap like that. It wasn't. I was not having fun. Like it was very just not what I expected. Yeah. You know, I wanted to, I heard all the handlers going to Iraq and Afghanistan and things like that. And it was like being attached to different operations. Yeah. Yeah. So were they, were there other guys in, in your pool in Bahrain there that were getting pulled to do stuff like that? No, we weren't one of the kennels, which is just very odd. You know, they'd send them, send them all the way back from the States and stuff like that. And it, it, yeah, we weren't one of them. So, uh, obviously, then I, I I am curious. So you spent two and a half years there. What was the process in which uh, you selected to go to Team Six? And and because I, I know that there's a lot of people listening that are, are surprised by that, and you probably run into it all the time. Where uh, you know where you know Naval Special Warfare Development Group or SEAL Team Six pulls and and has pulled uh, canine handlers from from the Navy. Uh, to integrate into their operational units. Can you describe, uh, you know, that, that process of how you were selected? Yeah. So actually I got sent to Kingsville, Texas after Bahrain. That was my next duty station. Mm -hmm. And I was actually going to get out. Yeah. Um, I was, I signed, uh, I, you know, applied to the Texas state patrol. I applied to the Alabama state patrol and I actually got accepted into Texas Academy. And, um, the good friend of mine called me up. He's another uh, master at arms and asked me to, if I would want to come and and try something different. And I was like, well, I'm ready to get out because I'm bored. You know, mm-hmm. like I need to go do something else. And he's like, trust me, you'll want to do this. So I went up there and. Did he not really tell you what it was? It was just like he, told, he told me that it was, you know, uh, assisting the SEAL teams. He didn't tell me which command or anything like that. He just yeah. said that you would greatly benefit from it. I love the military. I just didn't completely enjoy what i was doing at the time you know yeah. i mean it's great working with a dog but if you're feeling like you're not, not really doing a purpose yeah it's hard so he calls me up and i go up there and do their little tests you know their physical tests and then there's you know psych and all this other stuff which you were borderline on right <laughs> I was, well i mean i was 23 years old i you know 22 years old i was i walked into the room and there's a lot of bunch of older guys, you know, and it was just, it was intimidating, but, uh, yeah. you know, that for whatever reason, they saw something in me and said, you know, we'll, we'll take you. Was there, do you remember, uh, if there were a bunch of other candidates that you were kind of competing with? I was just going up against one other one and he had more time in than me. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a lot higher ranked than, than myself. I would think I was an E3 or E4, E4 at the time, uh, p- petty officer. And, uh, you know, it was crazy because, you know, I had this old old master chief come out and say, uh, I'm going to PT today. And I'm like, all right. I'm like the young, young buck. And I'm like, I'll keep up with this guy. You know, he was a SEAL and yeah. he whooped our asses. Yeah. You know, so there wasn't really no competing against other people. It was just trying to keep up with this fucking immaculate. I mean, he's in, in such great shape. And you're like, how is he doing this? Yeah. And uh, so, but yeah, I mean, no, no competition really. So was the, the group of older guys were all, they were the, the ones screening you for that position? Yeah. So they were all screening me for that position, but even all the other people that were there trying to get into the, uh, into the command for various roles were, you know, yeah, all older senior too. and, yeah. and whatnot. And, um, 
even jumping ahead, like walking into the team room for the first time, you know, all these guys are well experienced seals, you know, yeah. and you're like this scrawny, you know, fucking 20 year old. Yeah. It's, yeah. it was different. Yeah. What, uh, what was the process like? So once you, you go through that kind of selection process, the PT, the psyche valid, was, was it a long time? Did you know right away? Like what, at, at what point were they like, all right, you fucking made the cut. You're, you're coming on board. I found out a couple of days later after leaving, mm-hmm. um, they all, I guess, voted or, you know, whatever they do. And, uh, I thought maybe it was going to take a few months to get there, but it was amazing how fast, like they requested and I yeah. was, I was cut orders. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, my chief in Kingsville was like, I, never, what the fuck does yeah, happen? what happened? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was so fortunate though, that my captain down in Kingsville, signed off for me to leave because yeah. we were already short handlers and he could have easily said no. Yeah. And that would have been the end of it. I'd have been like, all right, I'm yeah. going to get out anyways then. So yeah. no big deal. God damn. Sorry. So you show up, uh, walk us through that, that process of what it was like fucking as a 20 year old, uh, Navy canine handler walking into team six. Um, so, you know, I was, you know, 20, 20 something years old, 21. And, um, you know, I, I get to the, get to the kennel and you know they tell me kind of what i'm going to be doing and um i get ready to start this course it's like a, a course for all support people mm-hmm. and i'll try to not be as detailed just so i don't sure. you know rub anybody raw but i walk into that room and again it's everybody's older than me you know and uh because i was a young guy you know i got put in charge of like you know beer mess and stuff like that like you know <laughs> yeah. stupid shit shitter detail yeah pretty much yeah and um it was just, uh, it was humbling. And then, um, I think I can, I can say his name now. Um, Lou Langless, who, uh, was on extortion one seven was actually, he was running the the program and he pulled me aside and he's like, you're the only one that's gonna, you're the only one of the only support guys that's going to come right to the door with us. He's like, I'm going to hold you to a higher standard than, than anybody else. You know, they're going to put my feet to the fire. And he's like, on top of that, you're young. He's like, this is, this is not normal. And, um, and he, he, he held true to that. Whenever we did CQB runs, you know, he always made it harder or made it do it, do it better, do it more. Any of the PT exercises, they expected us to be, you know, up in front. And I didn't do pull-ups in the Navy. Like that wasn't part of the PT test, you know? And so that was something I had to get better at. And it was just, uh, it was very humbling because here I was, you know, pretty good at what i was doing and you know i get put you know i get put through the ringer through this guy which i mean i i can't thank him enough you know yeah so with that with that process what uh how how long were you in that that support course role before you jumped into an operational unit yeah so um i did that for a couple months it wasn't very long. It was just long enough to teach you some basics, not not to get you killed, mm-hmm. not to get the next guy killed or any of you know the guys killed. And um, one of the dogs had failed out of his training with the squadron that I was attached, that I was soon to be attached to. And uh, so they said, "We're going to give you Digo, and you're going to go to that." <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You're going to give you this dog named Digo, and I've never met Digo up until that point, and we're going to. Um, put you in a new squadron with him because he needs a new, a fresh start because yeah. he had bit, bit a couple team guys. He's kind of not a loose cannon. He just very misunderstood, yeah. you know, and, and by the way, you're going to be deploying in at the end of December, early January. So a matter of 
five months, five months. So not only I had to learn how to use this dog, but I had to incorporate him in with the guys. And then it was just. That's drinking from the fucking fire. It is. It it very much so is. And I had guys that were like leading up to that deployment deployment. They were like, we were very questionable about you. It's not because I was terrible. It's just. Yeah, the circumstance. You you're know? fucking trying to learn how to move in a stack, get up in there, and then get the fuck out of the way after you release the dog. And yeah. it's it's uh, very, again, humbling, man. You're getting fucking yeah. hammered. Yeah. So so for the listener, Digo was, was one of two dogs that came to the Warrior Dog Foundation and, and actually started it. Um, and I know, you know, we had him here for about three and a half years before he, he wound up in uh, in Florida. Uh, with a gentleman named Jeff Gamber, who I'm forever grateful for, uh, for giving him the the last uh, bit of his life living on his couch and uh, getting spoiled fucking rotten like he deserved. But uh, I know that the three and a half years that he was here, um, I mean, it was, uh, to me, it was remarkable that that a dog with that uh, type of trigger and and personality and strength and character and, and, you know, personality traits that he had to, to think about some of the things that he had done and the experiences, the, the missions that he accomplished, uh, was, was pretty remarkable. And, and my hat's off to you for being able to handle a dog of that caliber, uh, in, in that environment. I, I would love to, to hear kind of what your impression of, of the kennel and the, and the caliber of dogs that were there was like coming from, Bahrain, you know, you, you get used to the, the type of dogs there. Obviously, I mean, I know my impression seeing the dogs that have come from there and dogs that I've worked with in those types of programs are on a whole different fucking level in terms of the types of dogs they are and, and how uh, how hard they are, uh, yeah. you know, to, to deal with and, and things of that nature. Was, was that your impression uh, walking in there? Were you like, holy fuck, like here's 20 dogs that are a totally different type of animal? Yeah, I mean, it was like... Uh you know, it was like walking into a, a Ferrari dealership, dude. I mean, it's, you know, they have all the best, all, all the best dogs. I mean, some of them get washed out, but when you have a 70 to 80% washout rate and you keep the top 20% or top 10% and then you can go and just select more over and over again. Yeah. I mean, that says something about, says something about what you're getting, you know, and of course you want to do the right thing and select the right ones the first time, but sometimes it doesn't, doesn't happen. And, you know, so you're getting all these, I mean, these dogs that are, you know, physical specimens that can just do all the things that we asked them to do. And it was just remarkable. Yeah. Did you ever get to the point while you were there of, of going through that selection process and actually picking dogs? No, I did not. I, I, pretty much came back and then, you know, would work up with the next dog and go again. Yeah. Um, so your first, first dog experience was with Digo, uh, what that five month drinking from the fire hose process. And then you, you deploy, can you, uh, share, share what that was like? I mean, was the, was the pucker factor high a, uh, and B what types of things, um, you know, did you do with the dog that you kind of learned the hard way during that, that process? So, um, it was my first time experiencing like using doing you know breaches with a dog, and um, they said that he was going to be a little firecracker when when the breach went off, and they were right because as soon as <laughs> as soon as the breach went off, I mean this dog's like fucking lit up on fire. I mean you know trying to grab at anything that you know because he's yeah. barking like crazy and uh, you know he wa- he's wanting to get in there. I mean obviously he's done it before. You know he's gotten rewarded for 
breech goes off, I go in and I get I get a bite. And so here's a dog that I had to actually train to just lay there and be still and um, cap some of that, you know, that excitement and just hold it for a little bit. And um, so finding how to do that was, was was difficult. Yeah. And it was, you know, doing that same scenario over and over and over again. And you don't get to do that very there you got to do it a lot. You got to do it as many times as you want. Yeah. And they give you as many rounds as you want. Keep keep going. And um it took a lot of hard work. I mean a lot of a lot of long nights and yeah. Would you say that was the, the biggest struggle you had with him was was capping that in uh in, incessant drive to to go find somebody? Yeah, and then just getting him off of a bite. Yeah. Like I even found that out when we were, you know, actually deployed, like getting him off of Getting them off of a decoy suit is one thing, you know, it's, you're not really worried about what's happening around you, but yeah. when you have them on a live guy and you're like, I need to get this fucking dog off right now because he's, you know. Because he's fucking waylaying this. Yeah, thing. and then, you know, your guys are like, you know, they we still got other people that we got to take care of, yeah. you know. Yeah. So. That, that, I, for sure, that's one thing I think a lot of people, you know, that either aren't handlers or haven't been around the industry will we'll say um you know i think don't think about maybe don't realize is is that is the is the out i mean for all the dog industry professionals that are listening obviously we all know that's a, a hotbed topic of how to teach it you know some people don't don't want a dog that'll out they think it, you know whatever but uh that, that's for another episode but um that it's something that I, th- I think a lot of times people don't think of is, you know, when the dog is on there, you know, that, that level of reward for a dog is, is as high as it gets, you know, and, and especially when a dog has done it for real over and over yeah. and over, you know, that, that changes their, their temperament and their personality towards people, especially when they're, when they're in that mode. Um, from a training standpoint, are there a lot of things that, uh, that looking back on that you would have done differently uh, in terms of teaching them to do things or, um, you know, so my whole experience was, you know, based around using compulsion, mm-hmm. you know, uh, using positive punishment and things yeah. like that. If I could go, you know, choking off and stuff like that, if I could go back for what I know now, I mean, I would do a lot of things different. You know, I wouldn't start teaching a dog out mm-hmm. on a bite suit. I would teach it out on something less, less Lord. exciting, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't focus so much on the on the whole biting part, you yeah. know. I'd focus on on the out things like that. But I think, you know, a lot of people they focus on the biting part because it's the most exciting. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, it's you know how fast can I get that dog to out and come back to me or or, or sit there, you know. And yeah, not, yeah. I mean, that's what I would have done different yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious, like, so that first deployment, what uh, can you share some of the 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 stories of of missions or operations that that you use the dog on successfully and uh, and kind of what what the uh, kind of the mainstay of operations was as it relates to you and the dog on a, on kind of a micro level. So you're asking me, can I share any stories? Well, I, okay. I mean, it doesn't have to be. I mean, obviously, there's there's a level of sensitivity in terms yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Of, of where and all that. That's why I mean, like from a micro standpoint, just like what you and the dog were doing and. and just some experiences that you had with him doing his job. Yeah, I found out that being on deployment was actually a lot easier than being in training. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody moves a lot slower. The guys move a lot slower. Um, so me, I'm trying to play catch up, and here I am moving a lot a lot faster. And yeah. um, they slow it down completely when you're, you know, hitting a, hitting a target. And, um, you know, for me, it's just, uh, it was like, how can I get, 
in the stack and get the dog out and then get back. And, you know, I remember my first, my first mission going out with the dog, you know, my, uh, I had a seal that was in charge of me. He was a dog handler and he was like, you know, just, he's like, I'm gonna be watching you the whole time. So here, I think this guy's watching me the whole time and, you know, I'm trying to do everything perfect. And it was not, not perfect. Um, but the guys thought I, I did well and the dog did well. And, you know, we sent Digo into the, into the compound cause there was only one gate in. They threw a thermal barricade and blew open the door and we sent Digo in. He could watch him on the camera. And it was just like in training, the dog did exactly everything that I, I was like, this is fucking cool. Yeah. And then, um, you know, he goes and hits on a door seam of an outbuilding. And so, you know, they, they let everybody know that, you know, the dog hit there, basically he sat, mm-hmm. he responded to, um, what would be mortar rounds inside. And, you know, as soon as I, you know, the dog's done searching, we would move up to the building, send them back in and search for more people. There was nobody in there, but, um, you know, the fact that he, you know, sat on that door while searching for, you know, a bad guy was, was pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I know, you know, again, for, for people that aren't maybe as well-versed in the industry is that, uh, just like you said, you know, the that component of, you know, when a, when a high-charged high or, or heavily-charged dog that, that wants to go in and fuck somebody up, you know, thinks that, you know, that that's what they're looking for or, or that is what they're looking for to, to, to sit for explosives, you know, which is a completely different reward system and a totally different mentality uh, does say a lot about, you know, the the uh we'll call it the obedience to the odor um i'm curious to to know from from that find was was that an active deal was it a cachet was it no it was just cachet it was just yeah it was just they hit it in the the, hit it in the building and you know it's crazy because in training you know you take your ball out and chuck it out there i always carried a tennis ball with me and um even on even when i was out because i would do training on target and uh you know you catch yourself you're like supposed to reward this fucker but <laughs> nope come on back buddy um you know and uh, there were some people that asked well will the dog avoid doing it next time because they didn't get rewarded that time and i'm like it's one time yeah. out of a thousand yeah. you know they're not gonna just so long as you keep the the training reinforcement schedule yep. high yeah yeah no I, you know again it's a lot of, a lot of little things like that, that that a lot of times people don't think of but uh you know i love i love hearing the the stories of it would you say the the breakdown of, of during that deployment? How long was it? Was it? Um, so we were only. I was really only there when I got blown up. I was there a month. Yeah. So, but but between that first mission where he found the uh, the mortar rounds uh, cache, uh, and up until that month time in where you were blown up, can you walk us through some uh, some of the things that he did between between then? Yeah. So um, you know. We ended up being a really trusted dog team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know it was all the dog, but they trusted the team. And so whenever we, whenever, whenever they would figure out the chalk loads and who was all going out, we were always brought up to go out because they trusted the dog. They knew this dog was going to go in and fuck some shit up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just some of the things like, you know, when we land in the, you know, we landed on this one target and I've said this story before and, um, you know, these got these bombers dropping, you know, 500 pound bombs on this, these palm groves. And, you know, right then and there, you're trusting this dog to go out and not bite any of the good guys. Cause we're all kind of scattered out and, um, watching him just systematically work his way through. And even your team leader afterwards saying, 
you know, it's pretty badass with that that dog. I mean, he was just bracketing his way all the way in to mm. where the you know where the bombs went off, where the guys were, yeah. and uh, you know, being able to call the dog back and then reset him again. You know, we sent him out on that mission probably five or six times. You know, just bring him back, recharge him, and you know, on one of the on one of the times we sent him out, he hit this like wall of reeds, and you could just see him sniffing like he was sniffing a door seam. And then he just sat there and he started barking at it like there was somebody there. And I was like, there's no fucking door here. And, you know, there was a guy on the other side, apparently. Um, we didn't know that, though, because we were listening. We were watching what was going on in the sky. These, the bird in the sky was telling us that the guy was like 20 feet away. And I'm like, dude, there's a there's somebody here. Like he pinpointed it. Yeah. And um, one of our snipers called us uh, down the reed line a little bit. There was an opening to the other side. They had built this wall. And uh, sniper gets hold of the dog, picks him up, and keep in mind this this same guy. I handed Digo up two operation two missions prior, and I was like, I was handing him up to him up on top of the building, and I was like, I wasn't sure if Digo was gonna bite you or not, but I needed to get him up to you. And so he, you know, he's not nervous about it. But as soon as Digo got to him, he, you know, sent him down his way, and Digo ended up finding a guy in a, with a PKM fully loaded. Don't know why. I mean, he would have taken us all out had he had ripped through that reed line and uh you know Digo had this guy by the neck and it was like one of the second bites i had but one of the fucking coolest things i've ever seen because here you see this guy like you know you can hear him like choking and just wailing at the dog to get him off yeah it was it's definitely different watching somebody get chewed on by these dogs you know and i've been bit by one of these dogs before so i can only imagine you know but you know another thing goes through your mind the shitheads yeah. you know and so your d goes like just chewing on this guy and and again the whole out thing couldn't get the dog off yeah well and he he killed the guy right well i mean he he had a hold of his neck i mean he would have eventually but um so the sniper that was with us was like hey uh you gonna get your dog off and i'm like i, <laughs> I can't like the e-collar this guy's got a hold of the e-collar too somehow and he's pulling it away from the dog's neck and i'm correcting the dog and he's just not coming off so i said uh you know take a fairly good shot and please don't kill my dog you know and so you know we have lasers and stuff like that so he took a a really good shot and went and pulled Digo off and you know Digo's covered in blood and i'm soaked in you know because they had it's like a runoff field and so there was like a bunch of ditches I'm soaked in like human shit or whatever yeah. standing water. It was Fucking it was gross. Cesspool. Yeah. So, so that uh, was it. Just the one guy there that that was uh, set up on you guys at that. No, point? there was there was others that scattered throughout the. There's like a field, like mm-hmm. these reeds, you know, and um, there was one guy underneath a bridge that you know that they had come up on, and um, you know, Digo even hit on a house, a little structure, and he was barking, 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 barking. This is before he found the the one guy. And I was like, there's a guy in there, but we can't get at him because they dropped the bomb on there. Well, it ended up, we, uh, the Intel guy, when I got back, they were watching the ISR feed and they're like, yeah, they ended up pulling people out of that building. So, you know, it's like one of those things, like you can't get to the guy, but you know, the dog's trying, Yeah. you know, was that, uh, after that. And then the, when he actually did make contact with the guy in the throat, um, was that the end of that operation or did it, did you continue? No, we kept on going through. So we had to continue our way through the, through the, through these reeds. And, um, 
these guys, our guys had shot some other guy and they weren't sure if he was dead yet because he was down in this ditch. And we sent Deco down in there and uh, Deco fucking latched onto him and uh, was tearing him up pretty good. And I don't, I think he was, he had to have been dead at the time. If he wasn't, he was when I arrived because, yeah. you know, I'm start, still trying to catch up to the dog. Yeah. And uh, I jumped down in there to take him off because, again, his e collar is just not, not working. I don't know what's going on with it. And it's a big shit show, you know. I'm like yeah. fucking trying to get this dog off this guy and there's like a foot and a half of water and you know the dogs are just loving it but i'm like i'm just covered in it right now i'm like come on man like work with me yeah and yeah. you have to get back up i mean these the ditches are like that high and you know they're slippery and yeah. it's just god damn so all right so you finally you finally you lift him off strong or yeah i just yeah so, so you get him off and then at that point was uh did you did yeah you, it's you know, over with that over yeah at that point yeah so I'm, I'm curious like uh two things number one is that how, how was digo so after the first bite and going into the second bite i know a lot of times dogs are pretty fucking wound up you know right after you out them and getting them to to focus mm-hmm. back on whether it's explosive detection or just patrolling and not being a total fucking nightmare to handle. How, how was he in that transitional phase? He was fine. Cause you know, it was like, it was weird with him is like sending a fucking loaded missile and he just, he always knew what to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, after he got blown up, he had some issues, but before then he always knew what to do. He knew yeah. anything in front of him is fair game. And yeah. it was just, it was the coolest thing to watch. Yeah. How how many uh, operations did you go on where there was multiple bites that he got? In um, four or five. I mean, yeah. there wasn't because, like I said, we were we um we'd gotten you know we got that we got that IED that houseborn IED hit us and that was yeah. pretty much the end of it. Yeah. Um. But prior to that, you, there was some other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a few. You know, on a on one that I can remember. Uh, you know, we we came up to these this building and um i sent the dog into the courtyard and you know i was like the third man you know i had you know, I had the one and two guys and we were coming around the house and here we look in the window and digo's latched on to this guy and the wife is hitting the dog <laughs> with the fucking slipper or whatever and i was like the hell is going on right now yeah. like it was just the it was the coolest thing yeah, yeah i mean it was it was definitely interesting. Did he uh, redirect on the on the woman? No, he yelled on the whole time, and yeah. so we we instructed her to come out while the dog was still on, and then yeah. we we eventually got the dog off. You yeah. know, yeah. I, I can only assume. Uh, I mean, what what kind of damage was done to that fucking guy with that, that amount of time? You know, so the thing with with Digo is he he wasn't a thrasher. Mm-hmm. Whenever he held on, it was if you pulled him off. I mean, there was a little bit of damage, but it wasn't like he was shredding the the yeah. skin off of these guys and he had a really nice solid bite yeah. like once he was on he wasn't moving it wasn't like you know how you see some dogs that just yeah. gravitate up and down and typewriter yeah yeah so he was pretty pretty calm pretty calm yeah were there uh in that month-long process uh how many bites would you say that he got um six or seven, six or seven. i mean he had ones with multiple you know, multiple people. And then, you know, he had some of the single ones and yeah. we had, you know, some of our own, you know, problems too. Like whenever we'd go out on patrol, they did want the dog up front. So we'd send him up front. You know, I wasn't, I was new to wearing night vision mm-hmm. and Digo wouldn't range out very far and we needed the dog to range out. And one night we went out, you know, he was range, he was ranging out and I lost track of him. I was like, I can't find him. <laughs> and so I asked uh, the sniper that I became really good friends with. I was like, Hey, 
I was like, have you seen my dog? I was like, I can't find him. I literally just turned my head and Digo was gone. He's like, are you serious? <laughs> and he's like, and I'm like, no, I can't find him. He's like, you fucking kidding me? He's like, look down. And I'm like, here's Digo, like hanging down next to my side. And you know, nods. You Yeah, no duck perception. Yeah, and so I was, it was just, it was comical. That's but, fucking great. Were there uh, were there any any really close calls like uh, similarly to the to the Reed story where in some of those live bites that he got where it was people that were set up on you were like yeah unequivocally like this dog saved our fucking ass on this. Um, I had to think about it some more because the ones I'm thinking about right now are of, of Brando. He was my last dog when I was there. And, yeah. But no, nothing like nothing like that. Yeah. Nothing like that. I, let me let me. Because I I think a lot of the stuff that that Brando did as well, yeah. and it's the yeah, we'll get freshest into in my memory right now. Sure, yeah, we'll get into that. Um, I am curious, obviously, since A Digo was here, and B transformational life experience for you in uh, in the operation where two of our brothers were lost, and and you and Digo took took some heavies as well as a number of other guys. Can you walk us through uh, as much as you you're comfortable with? Um, yeah, so the night Mike and Nate. Uh, that was a separate one. The night that they that they were killed, um, you know, I I ran with their team a lot, you know, and so that night I went with a, a different different team in the in the in the troop, and um, the one that we were going at was supposed to be where these guys were set up, from what I remember, anyways. And um, they trusted Digo, like they they fucking knew that that dog, if he, there was somebody in there to find, he was gonna get them. And uh, we went into that building uh, that was on the target that we were assigned to, and we we hit it. And, um, he went in there and uh, he, he ended up biting some old old guy in there because um, he didn't didn't come out. You know, I ended up calling the dog off, and the dog came back out. You know, wasn't like too glamorous of a bite. I mean, he went in there and found. You know, but by that time, I was used to like all the cool shit, like you know, running after squirters and stuff like that. And um, you know, squirters are people that run run from the target. And then we get a call over over the radio that we had uh, two eagles down, and I've never heard that before. Didn't know what the fuck that was, you know. And I can't, I'm new to all this, and uh, we start booking it down the street. And uh, I guess uh, the dog had went into the into the room and came back out. It was a very small room, from what I was told, and uh, there was three guys in there, post you know, barricaded, and they were just they were just waiting, you know, and it was just. You know, nothing the handler could have done. I mean, it, you know, the dog, hindsight maybe, should have found the guy, one of the guys. You know, I always say if I send my dog in and it takes a bullet, like, I'm sorry, whoever's watching, but that's... No, better than... I, the, yeah, better than, the, better than the men. And um, for whatever reason, they helped those guys and they didn't do anything. They just waited. And, uh, and uh, I remember seeing them pull Mike and Nate out. And that was the first time I, you know, because I've seen guys that had died before um they were bad guys and that's the first time like it really you know fucking hit you like you know here we are running around like rock stars you know doing what we're doing what they're doing you know it's fucking impressive to watch those guys do what they do and uh just to see that it was it was it was hard yeah. you know and uh you know you you wish that you were there because yeah i feel like fucking digo was like superman you know and yeah. uh so yeah it was it was it was hard yeah and these these two guys keep in mind like mike um coke he gave me a jacket that i still have to this day like you know when they go on deployment they order this order this stuff you know and he gave me you know i didn't nothing came in you know and they ordered it for all the guys and he's like did you get anything i was like no i'm not worried about it he's like here take this one 
He's like, I'll get another one. And uh, Nate, when Nate Hardy, when Digo got cut up pretty bad on the the read the read mission read op, he uh, he helped me shave Digo's pretty much his hind end. You know, no one wanted to touch that dog. Yeah. Keep in mind, like they all thought Digo was like you know a, a dog that they could you know pet, and I I kept Digo far away from them. I said, nope, this dog is whenever he comes out, he's gonna have a mission to do. Mm-hmm. He's not the camp pet or anything like that. And so Nate helped me out a lot with Digo, just, you know, with, with stuff like that anytime I needed help. And so it was hard. It was really hard. And I didn't know him like the other guys did. I mean, he had guys that went to the buds with him and I don't know what that's like, but guys have served with him before. And so it was hard. Yeah. It was it sucked. Yeah. The, the, the presence of mind that you had uh, seeing that, uh, understanding kind of the gravity of, um, you know, like it can happen to us as well. That that sobering experience. How how did that impact you moving forward? Being able to to continue to go out with the dog and and uh, was there a renewed sense of purpose? Was it difficult? What, what was that like? No, it was a renewed sense of purpose. I mean, we went out one night after that, and um, or not one night. It was a couple nights after that, and we fucked some people up. Yeah. And um, I was pissed off. Like, I just I wanted to use the dog for anything that I could. You know, the night when the night when Mike and Nate got killed, I went to my room, and I wasn't coming out. I was just kind of hanging in there, just, you know. And I didn't I didn't know what the what happens after that, you know what I mean? And uh, the team, one of the team guys, uh, one of the SEALs came in and got me, and he's like, hey, come out and I don't care. I say, hey, have a beer with us. You know, and so I went out there and, you know, just, it was, it was just, it was, I don't know, man, it was just something else. But, uh, and then you go out the next time and it's just like after extortion one seven, like you go out and you like, fuck this, like, you know, Payback. let's do it. Let's do whatever we can to, you know, make sure that we, we honor these guys and continue doing good, doing good by them. And, um, so yeah, we went out and you know uh, sent Digo in some more, and you know they wanted to use him more and more now because he was a dog that just they fuck they trusted, you know, and yeah. yeah. What um, what was the the incident like <clears throat> where you guys went out and, and had the the, uh, the the one that went horribly wrong? For oh, the, the the HBID, yeah. yeah so the Houseborn ID, um, that was four days later. It was, yeah, it was right after the Super Bowl. So the night Mike and Nate got killed, the Super Bowl was playing. And uh, Nate, that I can remember, always wore a Patriots hat. I'm fairly confident on that. And so I, you know, it, Super Bowl always comes around everywhere and you think about that. And I don't mean to go off, but it's just something that sticks in my head. So we went out, you know, four nights later as uh, the 8th, 7th, going into the 8th. And... Um, they were going out on strikers, and so they wanted to take the Digo, right? Because, you know, he's been doing amazing at this point, hasn't missed anything. And, you know, I I, I talked to the, the SEAL that was out there with me, you know, years later, and I'm like, hey, I, I always felt bad, you know, because, like, you know, he should have been the one going out, you know. Um, but here they choose me. And... um so we go out with D- we go out and we're sitting in the striker and this is like the second time we've been in one. I put a muzzle on him. We're walking down the street and you got dogs coming up at us and uh, I'm just doing my best to keep these dogs away. I took some 
took some bottles and put meat inside of them and I'd throw them out in the street and the dogs would go away and all that. We get up to the house and uh, one thing that uh, my team leader always told me is until you're being used, always watch what's going on behind you. He's like, they have enough people looking at the house. Look what's going behind you. So that's what I was doing. And uh, they start pulling these kids out and they say, hey, there's some uh, there's, there's some bad people in there. And, uh, so we keep calling these people out. They have me have the dog bark a couple times. And, um, and then we have the, like one of the kids go back in, open up all the, the, the doors and everything. And, uh, right before that happened, they engaged somebody in the doorway. Somebody came out with a gun. And, uh, so she had to walk over whoever that was. And she goes back in, opens up all the things. She comes back out. She says, there's a really bad guy. Uh, in there still, um, who and was, who was this lady? She was just some somebody that was in the house. Yeah, yeah. I said, should, and so, he, so one of the snipers that I became really good friends with said that he had, you know, thought he had seen somebody up up top, and so we were um, getting ready to send Digo in, and uh, I knew Digo went go through the front door because there was a. A dead body in the doorway and we teach the dogs to go and engage dead prey so um i get ready to move up to the i tell these guys it's like hey i can't send them in from right here but i'd like to send them in through the window they have this big bay window is perfect there's no no windows on it and uh normally i move up with the eod guy um but that night i decided to i wanted to go to the bay window and and louie he went over by the carport and uh so I get down on both both knees and I'm just waiting, you know, for them to chuck the the grenade, chuck the frag in to startle whoever was in there. Well, I'm waiting for it to go off and I'm looking in the window, and all of a sudden I feel this like pressure coming back at my face, and then all of a sudden it was fucking lights out, and um, I wake up like I I thought it was minutes later, but apparently it was like seconds later. I wake up underneath this pile of shit. And I don't know where the dog is. I don't know where anybody is. I think I'm dead. Like, to be honest, with you, I think I thought somebody had like, you know, stuff stuck me in a grave and that was it. Um, and then I remember seeing a familiar face cause they'd lifted this big ass brick off of me. And then I was like, where's the dog at? Where's the dog at? And I can hear him, you know, barking away. He was, had a brick in his mouth. He was all fucked up. Could you hear, was your hearing real fucked up? Yeah, I was messed up. Yeah. Like I, I don't remember what I could hear. I couldn't hear anything out of my my right ear, but the left was just fine. And I could hear Digo just, just yeah, you could tell he was not not feeling good. Mm. And um, so they were trying to find everybody that was sitting outside that building. We're getting ready to go on. I'm I'm so happy we never made entry because if we had made entry, it would have been it had been done. Yeah. So this guy ended up, you know, he apparently clacked the building off and. They buried all of us, and uh, he was in there when. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, I was like, always, you know, we always sent the dog in first, and even more after that. Then that's when they started using cameras, and so um, they started uncovering me. You know, Digo's still going nuts. There's nothing I can do with him. You know, I get my hand out, and my freaking wrist is like bent that way, and like just hanging there. Um, and I only realized that after I tried to use it, it hurt like hurt like a bitch. And then that's when all the adrenaline and everything started kicking in, you know, endorphins or whatever. And um, they get all the bricks off of me. 
And then two guys tried to just pick me up. And as soon as they picked me up, I screamed. Like, I screamed like a little girl. Like, it it hurt so bad. And um, then I looked down at my legs, and I see that, like, both... What ended up happening is both femurs were broken. They're shattered. One in five places and one in seven places. And God damn. One femur was going... One leg was going that way. One was going the other way. I don't know how I didn't sever any arteries. Like... The all the medics that were there were like, if you would have severed an artery, would have been done pretty yeah. quick. Um, and all that shit's like shard, broken bones mm-hmm. right all around the arteries. No, no, yep, nothing, and um, nothing. So um, they put me, they lay me back down, and they're sitting there trying to get Louis out because Louis was underneath the, uh, he was underneath the carport. This carport had been like a, a slab of, just a slab. And uh, they had to call the strikers in to get him out, and I was just still laying there. They had by that time gotten everybody out, gotten Louie out, and I think I was like one of the last people to get out. Um, they had no more litters left, and so four guys came and got me, and I had my nods just, I had, one of my tubes was underneath the building somewhere, and I got this thing hit me in the face. And uh, you know, by then I'm sucking down all these morphine, these lollipops, and they had fentanyl. Or whatever it's called, yeah, fentanyl pops. pops yeah. yeah, some good stuff. It's a regular Friday night up here yeah, at Tricos yeah, International. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was like eating those things like candy, and then finally they said they couldn't give me any more. Um, but yeah, four guys came and picked me up, and it hurt. Oh, like I, I could feel every bone. What really hurt the most though was, you know, they brought me to the striker where Louie was. He was the only one in there. Um, he was there with the medic, and he was, you know, obviously he died and. Um, they laid me right on top of him. And so here I was laying like, you know, sideways face to face, you know, on top of him pretty much on the floor. And I asked the medic, I was like, is he, you know, gone? And it was just a very, uh, I, I, I don't know how to describe it because I think I, I can picture it all the time whenever I talk about it. And, um, you know, I was really cold and then all of a sudden I was warm again. And I don't know if it was just, you know, the way your body reacts to shit, but I felt like, you know for that time maybe he kept me alive you know kept me from blacking out and it was just it was really hard um they put us both on the uh brought us both the uh lz uh, uh, uh medevac and you know uh rolled us up onto the um helicopter and uh you know i just remember going into this big ass tent with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast. With first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained. 
covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. And uh, the doctor comes over and he's like, uh, and anytime if you need to interrupt me, go ahead. But doctor comes over, he's like, hey, have they uh, straightened your legs out? And I'm laying here and I can hear Diego fucking just barking up a storm. You know, and I'd already, you know, when I was underneath that pile and they had uncovered me, I had reached into my pocket, gave them a muzzle so he'd stop biting everybody or trying to bite everybody. Did he bite anybody? I I, I want to say he, he bit one of the guys because they were like, hey, uh, and he had a muzzle on you. I always carried a mesh muzzle. It yeah. was like one of the common practices I always did. And I could hear him, you know, while the doctor's talking to me. And, you know, I'm fucking I'm crying and shit. Hoping my wife's um, nine months pregnant or eight and a half months pregnant Fuck. as well. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm praying like, fucking please let me at least see that, you know. And um, so anyways, the doctor comes over, hey, have, you, we straight, have anybody straightened out your legs yet? And I was like, I don't know what that is. And he's like, I guess not. So I had this medic guy lay on top of me, and he grabbed one leg at each time and just, you know, gave him a quick snap. And uh, the next thing I remember is a, a so chap. You were conscious for that? I was, yeah. How fucking horrible yeah, was that? That was terrible. Yeah, I was... I'm surprised was, they, they didn't put you under for that at that point. No, they... um. They, no, they didn't. And then the chaplain came over, and uh, he, he asked if I could say a prayer for me, and I was like, absolutely, absolutely yeah. please do. And then I just remember hearing the little, uh, you know, they put the mask on me, and then I heard the knocking of the CT or MRI machine or whatever it was. And, and then I just remember waking up after that. And, uh, you know, that's where I, I uh, you know, I said about the, the, the God, you know, the Jesus thing is I had... I haven't said this before, but um, I told some of my closest friends this. Uh, you know, we have a. I know somebody who has died, right? And uh, and um, I never really talked to them, but at some point, either when I was blown up or when I was in that thing, I saw their face, and then I remember their face going away and me going back. And and I know it sounds fucking crazy because it does sound crazy, but at that point, I knew that everything was going to be okay. And, you know, I, I was going to be all right. And, um, then I woke up and so it was almost like you, you had a, an intro to them into the afterworld. And yeah, it was, it was, and what's crazy. And I'm be honest with you, Mike, like this person that I, I'm talking about, like I never really talked to, I just knew them, you know, as growing up. And, uh, so I actually reached out to their, their parents, um, a couple of years ago. And it's been like, 10 years and I've been holding this in like, Hey, I, I, I saw your family member, like, and I, and I don't, and I was talking to my friend and I was like, man, there'd be no reason for me to like, you know, for this to even pop in my head if it wasn't real, you know? And so I reached out to the family and just told them and they sent me a letter back and it was just nice to have some closure to that, yeah. you know, cause I felt like, you know, they, they passed away too young yeah, and, um, Anyways, I, I woke up and uh, my family hadn't been told anything yet. And my wife, she immediately knew something happened because I didn't call her. I used to, I would call her or Skype with her at the same time every every day. Terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she knew something had happened. So she didn't know what happened. She didn't know what happened to me. 
And uh, the guys at the command on their board, it said that I was initially killed in action. Like they didn't know how or what. And uh, and one of the guys told me this uh, that's still serving. I didn't know that. And um, so they were trying to figure that out. Like, who's fucking hurt and who's, you know, who's not, you know. So um, they all get ready to go over my wife's, my wife's thing. And Jesus. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. But uh, she's over doing laundry because I had already called her. The uh, command master chief that was in charge of us, he, uh, sorry, I got tears and shit. No. Um, he had already, he came when I was waking up because he flew in and, He's like, hey, uh, do you want to call your wife or should we? And I was like, I'll call her. Yeah. And uh, I remember making the phone call. I remember saying, uh, honey, I'm hurt, but, I, but I'm okay. You know, like, I'm okay. I got two fucking broken femurs, but it could be, it could be worse. You know, I, you know, could have been dead and um, tissues. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so, uh. You know, she's already doing laundry. My wife's fucking hard as a rock. You know, she wasn't crying or anything. They showed up at the door. She's, you know, not in uniform or anything like that. But we're just like, hey, uh, she's like, I already know. And she's like, you do? He's like, yeah, he called me. She's like, he's awake. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. So um, wife's pregnant. They get me up to uh, Walter, Walter Reed or uh, Bethesda. And, um, uh, they decided it was best for me to go to the Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago. Can, can, I, can I ask yeah. for, when you when you so when you went went down and then you you said I, the next thing I knew I woke up when you woke up were you still in country or were you out were you in Germany by then or no I was still in country yeah um, I had these external fixators on the side of my legs like a damn erector set yeah. And uh, I can't tell me how many fucking people try to pick me up by those things, you know, because they're screwed into the, they're screwed into the, the bottom yeah. of your femur and the top, of the head, basically. It's a fucking the yeah, bone handle. Yeah, yeah. And I remember. Uh, anyways, yeah. So I woke up in country. Yeah. Yep. No. And then, uh, do you, were you kind of in and out from that point on all the way back, or did you remember coming all the way back? No, I mean I remember being high as hell coming all the way back. Like I didn't feel anything. Yeah. Like um, they have this. Was it Dilaudid or whatever? I kept on pushing that damn button because I wanted the pain to go away. Yeah. Like, it, you know, because fucking femurs, man. Like, that shit sucked. Yeah, my, my brother yeah. broke his femurs. Fucking horrible watching that. Yeah. Um, all right, so you, you get back to, to Walter Reed, and then they decide you got to go to Chicago. What was that process like, timeline-wise? So I didn't even expect. Like, I wanted to go back to Virginia Beach. I wanted to rehab with the guys. Like, that's what I wanted to do, and... Um, and then I just realized like, you know, I have a kid coming, this is more important. And, uh, the rehabilitation Institute of Chicago is like one of the best. So, you know, I saw the bill for that. I didn't mind pay for none of it, but, um, you know, fuck it. They sent me to the best to go get fixed. And I thought I was going to end up getting out of the Navy because, you know, I had a lot of people that said I would not deploy. I would not, you know, walk right again. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. How long of a process was that rehab? Um, so between the time I between the time I got hurt and when I deployed again was about nine months. No shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how long were you at, at the Chicago Institute? I was there for like four or five months, and then come straight back and you're to like Virginia Beach. You're getting yeah. right back. Did yeah. they? 
Did you meet any resistance from any of the, from the command at all about like, hey, wait a minute? Um, so I rec- I was able to get going to doing what I was doing in about nine months, and uh, you know they had my my squadron had deployed again, and Digo was having issues. He healed a lot faster than me. He was having issues. He went went engaged and stuff like that, which is really fucking weird. No, uh, real quick, didn't he? Did he go to to Lackland for some of his rehab, or was he? What, like, can, can you walk us through? I don't think he did. Do, do you know what happened to him once, like, you went down? Like, do you even have... No, you, I mean, he came, they brought him to Bethesda to me when he, because they had flown into, is it, I can't remember what base there. Who was the lucky bastard that got to bring him to My you? vet tech. No shit. Yeah. My, he actually, I think he actually bit him on the head. <laughs> he actually let him on the bed, and he actually got... You know, and tagged him on the head because he rolled over. Yeah. And uh, he's, but anyways, no. So yeah, I'm sitting at the uh, at Bethesda, and they're like, "Hey, we got to take you down for another X-ray." And I didn't know what was going on. Well, one of the guys that got blown up with me was there, and he knew what was going on. And you know, we were both sharing stories, like, "Hey, have you used the bathroom yet?" Because I haven't. You know what I mean? And it was just like one of those things. It was a joke going back and forth, but. It found it very weird that we were both going to go get x-rays. But anyways, I was like, all right, whatever, you know, both going to get x-rays. And uh, so he, then we go down there and there's Digo. And uh, like, I'm crying a little bit, but then he gets up onto the, uh, he, he puts his paws <laughs> up onto the thing. And I'm like, my legs. Yeah. Fuck. yeah. No, actually, I was like, hey, I. if I push him away right now, because he's kind of hurting me, he might bite me. He didn't like being pushed pushed yeah. away like once you were petting him if you pushed him away that's usually when you know something triggered in him and uh so yeah man he just they, they surprised me and it was really nice to see him moving around again knowing that he was okay and did you get the impression from him that uh that he was happy to see you the way that that you were him uh, yeah i mean I, I you know dogs it's funny how your relationship with him and i feel like we Excuse me. We built a, a really good relationship, and and the fact that he came over to me was nice. I mean, yeah. he wasn't like "fuck you, dude." I just got my <laughs> ass handed to me, you know. Yeah. But uh, it was a very unique time. You know, we had uh, was it Admiral Mullen came in. He was in civilian clothes, and they were wheeling me down the hallway in my bed, and he stopped me. He had two little minions with him, one from the Marine Corps, one from the Navy, and they were like. Uh, He's like, uh, who are you? And I was like, who the fuck are you? Like, I seriously, like, who the hell are you? And I, I said that to him. My wife was like, she just gave him that look. And he's like, I'm Admiral Mullen. I'm like, nice to meet you, sir. And uh, yeah, it just, it was, you know, I had an afro going on and yeah. it was just a very unique time. Yeah. God damn. So what, uh, so Digo goes back to the command. He, he deployed again after that? But yeah. With somebody else? Yeah, he deployed with a new handler. So when I showed up, there was a new handler on him, and then we had a new handler that kind of took my spot. It was uh, Jet Li, John yeah. Duandaro. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to do my best to, you know, I'm putting on a rucksack now, trying to just carry weight. And, uh, you know, Lou Langless came over, saw me, and uh, he said, uh, hey, can you come talk to the class, the, the support class, and just talk to him kind of how important this is. And he's like, uh, what's your plans? And I said, I'm gonna fucking come back i want to come back and deploy he's like you're coming back he's like all right he's like i would not uh, you know he's like i wouldn't ex- expect anybody to and even one of our guys to to try to do that you know and so i talked to the direct you know the support guys and was just like hey 
you know, this maybe pay me- attention. Yeah, this medical class is fucking important. Yeah. Like your blowout kit and all that, it, it definitely helped and, and saved, you yeah. know. And um so anyways I start rocking, you know, carrying a you know, sixty pound rucksack and trying to just get myself going while Digo was having issues. And they decided that they wanted to send over another dog, another dog that you might know named Breston. Yeah. And um so I, I, they were like, can you just bring him over? And I said, I'm not no fucking courier. Like, if I go over there, I want to work. And the, the, uh, my master chief was like, are you signed off? And I said, hold on one second. I went over to the medical clinic, and I knew this you know, doctor has been watching me do my stuff. And I'm like, hey, I need you to sign me off. He's like, well, are you ready? And I'm like, yeah, the physical therapist said I'm ready, and you know, I'm ready. And so I ended up taking Breston over, and I ended up uh, getting on the plane and I get over there and, you know, some of the guys from a different, uh, different troop was like, is that Benito? And, uh, somebody, I could hear them, you know, and they're like, yeah, that, that is. And, uh, I walk into the team room as these guys are getting ready to go out my old squadron and they're like, holy shit. Like, you know, what are you doing back over here? And, uh, you know, the sniper that I became really good friends with, you know, he told me later on, he's like, you know, I didn't expect you to come back. You know, he's like, I didn't expect, I wouldn't expect any of you again one of the one of the seals to come back but you know for you to come back and master at arms you know the way you did is something else and i was like i appreciate that yeah worked really hard you know trying to Fuck yeah constantly prove people wrong i mean they're fucking med boards dude like ready yeah you know trying trying to or looking for one fucking excuse or yeah yeah so what uh how, how was the deployment with breston because for for the listener so the warrior dog foundation we started in uh, August of 2010 with Digo and Breston. Yeah, uh, those were the first two dogs that came here, and uh, you know, to, I know how big of a pain in the ass both of them were. Just, you know, just in handling them and not operating yeah. with them, just you know, keeping them alive and, and whatever. And, and I, I remember I, I put Breston down. Uh, we had him for four and a half years, and uh, you know, the the morning he was put put to rest. Uh, that motherfucker tried to eat my face for covering yeah. covering him with a towel because he was shivering and, and had lost a bunch of weight and and was freezing and I and I was like a dumbass you know I was close to him yeah. and I tried to slide a, slide a fucking towel up over him and that and he he launched and if he had been in better health I wouldn't be as as goddamn handsome as I am right now <laughs> um, but yeah I mean that that dog, both of those dogs the strength and character that they exhibited even after they were were retired and past their prime. Uh, was was a hell of an indicator to the magnitude and, and caliber of dogs that they were. I, I would love to hear what what that was like handling that son of a bitch. So Breston was you know similar like Digo, just a very experienced veteran dog, and I only had about a week and a half to work with him yeah. to really figure out. And but once you're at that point, you you know you walk out there and grab any one of those dogs that you know obviously they have to be ready to go. Yeah. The whole bonding thing, I mean. I didn't really, we didn't really need it. Like the fucking dog knew what it was supposed to do. I knew what it was supposed to do. And, you know, it listened to me and, you know, so taking him over, I was pretty confident. And just even on the missions, like he was, he was spot on perfect. I mean, he was yeah. just such a, he was a wonderful dog to work. Yeah. What, uh, any, any good, good bites or finds with him that you can share? So, uh, with, with Breston, um, so with Breston, you know, we went out the first mission. It was my first time back out and I was like, you know, holy fuck, here we go. And there's a little bit of anxiety on my part. And uh, I get up to the building. I'm like, please don't fucking blow up. I'm like, you know, just because it's always in the back of your sure. head now. Like, 
looking at the door seams and shit, like, you know, the, the doormats, you know, for... Did, did you relive that experience every time you went out? Just for the first couple of times. First couple times. Yeah, first couple of times. Because, you know, I watch the video footage of it all the time, you know. Yeah. Uh, not all the time, but whenever I, I have it, I can yeah. watch it. And so, you know, it's... You, yeah, it's like one of those things that just loops in your head. And yeah. so I was like, all right, well, let's see what happens. And just like clockwork, the guy stacked up on all the doors, sent the dog in, dog came out. They flowed right in, you know, again, after the dog, because I'd send them back in while they were, you know, clearing and, you know, just systematically moved to each each doorway. And it, it was like being back home again, you know, it yeah. was, it was awesome. clockwork. Yeah, it was amazing. How How long were you deployed with him? Um, about two months. two months. Yeah. So we, um, you know, the, the next mission we had landed in this bowl, there was supposed to be three feet, three inches of snow. When we stepped out of the helicopters, <clears throat> three feet of snow, God. you know, so really put my legs to the test Yeah. and, uh, we get to the target and, uh, we surround the small building and these two poor bastards that were in there that were like, you know, had guns and everything telling them to come out not coming out, not coming out. I send Breston in there. He's fucking grabbing onto one of their legs, like yanking on them to come out. <laughs> and then so we call Breston off. Call him off. He He's perfect at outing. He's an amazing dog. His handler before him, trained him really well, handlers. And um, call the guys out. Um, we end up sending Breston back in. They start reaching for guns. The guys, you know, engage from the windows. Breston's totally fine and... Uh, and, uh, you know, again, the dog's doing exactly what you want him to do. And, you know, if, if had it not been for him, we wouldn't have seen the guns, right? Like they would have never reached for him and then we would have got sucked in, you know? Yeah. So tired, if they're long enough, you'll get tired of a dog chewing on you and you have to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, so you saved your ass there. Were there during that, that two month period, um, were there other instances, other operations that he went on where he saved everybody's collective ass? Um, no, I mean, he, he'd go out and he'd do, he'd get his bites and all that, but really he was, were they more kind of ones and twos like, uh, or, or almost isolated in terms of the overall operation? Yeah. There, I mean, there was like not a, a grand skit, you know what I mean? It was just, yeah, you know, was, they, they call the dog up, they got a guy barricaded in there, you know, we'd send Breston in with a camera on yeah, and we just, you know, he would distract every you know what what was going on so the guys could you know do what they were supposed to do yeah yeah i mean the the well-oiled machine that exists between handler dog and and you know team six shooters at that level i think uh, is something that that few people probably appreciate uh, as much as they should with you know to me the 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 level that that you guys are all collectively working together is is beyond fucking impressive, I think. You know, uh, for anybody that's ever kicked a door in and, and cleared a room or, or whatever, it, you know, that to see just the, the different elements of everything that, that has to go right, you know, for, yeah. for a dog to be able to do that, I think is, is uh, under, understated uh, and, and cannot be overstated uh, how, how fucking impressive that is. Uh, you know, because it's, it's kind of one of those things where when everything goes right, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. It's, it's yeah. when something goes wrong and it goes horribly wrong. But, um, but for everything to go right, there's so many different intricate pieces of that puzzle that have to be in, in, in the perfect place for it to, to be executed like that. It's, it's fucking awesome. Is that the, the deployment he got shot on? or, or was No, it, Breston got shot in a couple of few deployments before that, yeah, yeah, with his other handler. So Breston's already been through a lot of, yeah. you know, a lot of shit. Yeah. Do you know, uh, 
collectively do you go in, Breston? Uh, how many how many bites, for example, that they had? I mean, hundreds. I mean, it it. it a, uh, I, yeah, a lot. I mean, yeah. it's hard to say what what kind of number. I mean, but probably in the hundreds. Yeah, know. I mean, if you're trying to put both dogs together, or, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, it's. Are there are there any stories that uh, that you can share of Breston um, that just because again out of my curiosity of him having been a dog here, um, you know, where where there is an exceptional display of of uh, prowess on his part. So I think the night that he got shot was was it was one of them i don't I, again i don't know the details because when i had gotten there breston was so new to me and then when i had deployed he was it was like we we're in a constant rotation but yeah man it's it's hard for me to i i don't know much about breston other than all the all the stuff that he did you know pr- prior, prior it's, to. it's hard to yeah was the deployment that you did with him was that his last one no, I'm pretty sure they took him out again because he was with the he was yeah. he was attached to a different squadron. and he wasn't attached to to yeah. ours. We just borrowed him for yeah. a moment. Yeah, man. All right, so uh, so you do your your follow on or your post uh, injury deployment with him. Um, you come back from that. What was that the next process like? Um, the next process was getting paired up with a new dog, and, and that was uh, Brando. No, so I ended up getting a dog named Rex or a dog named Rex and Tigo. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, some, something else. Um, Rex was a dog that actually ended up biting one of my own teammates, like mm-hmm. tore him up pretty good on mm-hmm. a, on a mission. And again, it was just one of those, when everything goes wrong, it's going to go wrong. And it did. Yeah. Um, it's definitely different though. When you're have a blue on blue, like, you know, dog fucking biting one of your own guys. What, what was the, what were the circumstances that led to that? <sighs> You know, it was as a perfect scenario. We had a squirter, and we all gotten you know pretty much a line formation, and we sent the dog out in front of us. And uh, the guy was you know about a good hundred, hundred fifty yards out. The wind was blowing away from us, you know, so we were uh, we were upwind, um, or sorry, downwind. And uh, so we were sending the dog out, dog out, and then he catches a glimpse on the right flank of a silhouette and just fucking took off and you know before i could even you know get him to like redirect he was already i mean it was it was pretty fast yeah and uh he latched onto the guy's the guy's knee behind his knee and you know i had to fucking go i had to go up and pull him off because if i caught if i correct him off he doesn't it's so dark out like you know he's already causing enough damage i don't need him you know reattaching onto something else and uh I felt terrible. Like I, I felt like I got my ass handed me that day. I mean, I, and he, he didn't just bite that guy. He bit the fucking turp. I mean, he bit. He was just a, his dog that probably shouldn't have been out there. Yeah. You know, but you know, you take what you got, and I think after that, I learned that, you know, you have to speak up if something you don't necessarily, you know, you don't agree with it. You know, he got to speak up because you know stuff goes wrong and. Yeah. Did uh, did the operator in this case? Did he did that end his deployment? Was it a bad enough? Ah, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it did it ended his deployment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Tough. And I've I've ran into him since, you know. And I told him, I said, I've carried this. I don't no longer carry it with me, but I carried it with me for a long time because you know I always felt responsible, and uh, and of course I am responsible. It's a dog, you know. And he told me, don't don't worry about it. You know, yeah. it's. Happens. Wasn't any bad blood between you and him, or from, from no, his perspective? no, and. 
you know, yeah, it's just yeah. a shitty situation. Yeah. So it was Rex, and then the, there was another one? Yeah, Tigo. So Tigo, um, he well, was... Actually, before we get into Tigo, yeah, after, sure. after that happened, did uh, did that end Rex's time there? That ended Rex's yeah. time. He was done. I yeah. sh- we pretty much shit-canned him and yeah. said, you know what, sorry, dude. He ended up going to the police department did absolutely amazing. Yeah. Because for a police department... Yeah, there's not... It's a not lot of these guys are going in, you know, one with maybe another person. Yeah. So... He did really well though for the the PD and uh, and I'm happy happy for that. Uh, but then we ended up taking Tigo out, and uh, Tigo was amazing. We uh, we had went out one night on a mission with with Tigo and uh, you know we had gotten up to the compound and and again this these guys really didn't use the dog a whole lot. But when it came time to use them, they they absolutely you know we were ready to go. And so they asked to send them in. So we sent them in. Tigo went and latched onto one guy and then, you know, I went up, pulled him off, you know, cause the guy wasn't reaching for anything and, um, sent him again down some stairs and then he latched onto a guy that was in the, in the courtyard, but the, you know, they had already engaged with the guy. We get a call that there's a follow on target. And so where D- Tigo actually saved our ass on that night was, was right then and there. So we get to the follow on target. The guy's already engaged. Um, some guys on the second story and, uh, they said, Hey, we want to send the dog in. We don't think there's anybody else here. So I climb up onto the roof with one of the recce guys, snipers, and we send the dog and he's like searching his way around. I'm looking on the camera and Tigo stops at a doorway and starts barking at this doorway that I'm standing right above, right fucking above. And uh, I said, there's somebody fucking here. And so I call Tigo back. I let everybody know, like, hey, this, do you hit on this door? This this door, you know. Well, the guys go to go to enter it. The um, so we had the APU, the Afghan Afghani's out there doing it. This guy inside starts unloading with a uh, AK. I mean, it's coming through the roof. You can see like poofs of smoke, and we're fucking hopping off this thing as fast as we can with a dog a cat on a hot tin roof up oh my god it was and you're like and he didn't think it i mean because these roofs are so thick and shit was crazy yeah you know and um god damn yeah so i mean it just him and where that guy was was like an animal pen you know and it wasn't normal you know so yeah so he he saved a couple of guys asses on that Yeah, yeah absolutely were there any big, uh, with any of the dogs, one of the things we haven't, uh, other than that first cachet experience with Digo, were there any legitimate like IED or booby trap type finds that, that the dogs mm. where you were just like, holy fucking shit? With me, no, but I, we had other handlers out that, you know, you know, finding like, you know, a couple hundred pounds of TNT and, you know, HME and things like that. The um, pressure, pressure switched and shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, that they bury underneath, uh, you know, like their shower grates yeah. and stuff and, yeah. uh. But not not really with me. I mean, with me, it was all chasing after squirters and things like that. I mean, it was. Yeah. Were there any other good uh, Tigo fucking people up stories? No, no. But I'm assuming so. When Rex got shit canned, Tigo was his direct replacement. Yeah, we we, we ended up. Um, so before, you know, we never had you know a spare dog. We always, you know, that's why we took Preston. Yeah. That one time, and so this time Tigo was a spare dog, and and I worked with him that whole deployment, and then the next deployment. Um, is when I would hand him over to the new handler. Yeah. And then um, I would work with a new dog named yeah. Brando. Yeah. And uh, Brando was a, a, you know, PH3 fucking badass dog. And um, 
only thing with the the whole sport thing though that I I didn't like is the whole bark and hold stuff. You know, if you have a, a guy that just stands still, yeah, they go into bark and hold, which he did to me. And that's hard to untrain. It um, is very it's hard to untrain. Impossible. Um, yeah. What uh, What was that scenario where that happened? Um, actually, so uh, one of the ranger dogs was ha- was having a, a little bit difficult time, and so I, I think I don't know if he was sick or something like that. But they asked me to go out with the rangers, and uh, I love love working with the rangers, you know. But at the same time, like you're not used to working with them and uh so i kind of just would hang back and wait for them to to call me up and do things and so we actually had a squirter run off into like this big deep ravine i sent the dog out and the dog's working 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 and all of a sudden i hear him you know going into a bark and hold barking at something oh my god it was like and then everybody else saw that and you're like holy fuck so this he's sitting there going into bark and hold and as so i gave him the command i told him you know stellen and of course he started biting and then you know the guy the guy eventually you know gave you know he was already given up to yeah. begin with you know so yeah it was just one of those things like if he, you know he he had a gun on him like he could have shot the dog you know yeah. what i mean and sure. it was just it just wasn't a good yeah, good deal. I mean, to me, for the for the uh, dog industry professionals, the, the bark and hold, you know, to bark and hold or not to bark and hold is is uh, of a of a hot topic or a hotly debated topic rather uh, in the industry a lot. And you know, obviously, there are instances where it can prove to be beneficial. Uh, you know, a, a false wall, as an example, or, or something yeah. like that. So it, you know, it, it's hard to say like wrong or right or you know where that happy medium is of, of how to incorporate that into into your training profile but um but yeah you know in an instance like that i can certainly bite you in the ass kind of a, a damned if you do damned if you don't how how long uh, were you on deployment with brando four months was that the only deployment you did with him or did yeah because uh, you know i i was actually gonna leave after the deployment with tigo but then i wanted to go go out again just one last time and yeah. i loved brando brando was an amazing dog you know i wish i could have actually adopted him um yeah. but uh you know um such a fun dog to work i mean yeah. you know did, did the, he, go ahead no go ahead well, did, did he deploy with other handlers after you left uh, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah. um but brando was the last one and that you know and uh you know extortion one seven that that's that sealed it i mean i was done after that but uh you know just going out with him and working him like uh you know, he, I, all the dogs were smart, but like he actually could turn it on and turn it off. Mm-hmm. He could be a fucking pet, and then he could be a working dog. Yeah, and uh, he was just a big, big, uh, big Dutch Shepherd. You know, we would, um, you know, one night we were hitting a target, and uh, sent him in. He searched everything on the laser, just searched everything, and uh, we had a call that there were there were squirters. There was two of them, and if any dog could could take two two squirters, it was going to be him. <laughs> and these dudes were just huddled together. And so uh, we take Brando out, and again, I don't know what it is with me stepping in all the shit water, but um, <laughs> we go. I'm sitting there dry heaving the whole way, and then finally we get within I don't know 100 yards of them. I unclip him, I send him out, and he's bounding in, in the, the water, water trying to get to him. <laughs> and so the dog gets on on onto the guys. We can't see the dog at the time, but um, the helicopter overhead is saying, "Hey, the dog's on." Uh, helicopter or something overhead saying they got visual of the dog on. They say, "Hey, you might want to get up to that dog right now because uh, it's in water." No, they're they're trying to push him over into a, a this. It was a deep ravine. It was this thing was like you oh, know yeah. sixteen feet deep, 
so both these guys are working on Brando trying to get him to come to come off. So um, we get up and the turps start to tell him to stop moving. I call Brando back because he had an excellent bark and hold. I call him out and he starts barking, call him back to me. And then they end up getting one of the guys to come back. Well, the other guy was like, I ain't fucking coming back. So what I do, I sent Brando right back in there. And then um, after that, he came back. Yeah. Um, but it was just, a, it was just a fun, it, you know, up until, you know, again, I say the whole extortion, you know, thing, it, it was a fun deployment with him. Yeah. Were were there any big IED fines with him? Or, no, you know, all, no, all biting, biting all biting so. people. Yeah. Well, how many uh, bites would you say ballpark he had? Um, uh, six or seven on that deployment. Yeah. yeah. Any yeah. any any other ones other than those two that uh, that you can share? Yeah. No. Absolutely. So um, uh, one night we went out. Um, we were in the foothills of Torabora, so mm-hmm. right coming up into it, and uh, we uh, send him in to search the compound. No one's there. We have squirters. All these, a lot of mine are, are either barricaded shooters or, or squirters. Yeah. I mean, it's just that that's that's just the majority of my bites, you know. And love chasing after people that ran away from the target because yeah. it, it, it was it's the flea fucking, bite. Oh my god, it was the <laughs> adrenaline rush, dude. You're never gonna get another one like it. Yeah. And um, so we search the whole buildings, everything. They say we got squirters, so we start going. One of the guys engages one of them. Uh, from a pretty good distance we send the dog up the dog goes and just starts biting on him just to make sure he's not playing possum yeah call the dog off so we get into this big open field and there's like a patch of reeds that's just a perfect square and they're all standing up it'd be a perfect place to do like a hunt test yeah and it was just amazing so we we get out there and uh we start sending the dog and you know my team leader he is a prior canine handler and he's like hey uh we need to get we need to get downwind. We're upwind right now. This dog is not catching any scent, so we get downwind. You know, and, and in my mind, I'm tunnel tunnel vision, right? Like, you know, I'm not thinking of all these little specifics, but he is. And uh, so we get downwind, and sure as shit, Brando goes dodging into the into the these tall ass reeds, and he latches onto this guy, and he can just. I've never heard somebody scream like he did. Like, I mean, it was just like, it, it was like uh, going to a football game and somebody just, uh, you know. And um, so we call him off and we tell the guy to come out, come back, come out, or we're going to send the dog back in. Sure as shit, we sent the dog back in. And then after that, usually the second time, I'd come out after the first time. But, yeah, you know, again, guys with guns and just waiting, waiting for you to come in and, you know, trying to suck you in. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's just uh, it's it's something else. How, how would you compare him to to the other dogs, or, or I guess you know to to kind of stack all of the dogs that you've handled from from an ability to do damage standpoint? Because that's one thing that that I think uh, you know again is is a misconception. I know that I get asked a lot about like how how hard do these dogs bite, and it's like it's like well fuck, it's like asking somebody how hard do human beings punch. It's like well yeah. fuck, it depends. You know, some of them are bone crushing and, and yeah. other ones are just hard enough to, to apprehend somebody yeah. or, or to make them think twice or whatever uh what does does one of the dogs that you handled stick out as being you know a notch above or i i i never felt rest and bite and i felt all the dogs bite through the same suit but i would say digo had a for me for as small as he was yeah i mean he had a really nice bite on him yeah. i mean and, and it's like he almost knew like if he got you in the right spot especially in the arm with the suit on yeah 
Or he, and or they, he knew they, you weren't And they faking. went for it. Like, yeah. they, you know, these dogs are so smart. They go for these, like, you know, sweet spots because yeah. I think they get more out of well, you. Fuck, you yeah. Know? Well, I mean, it's not a manufactured reaction. No. If you're like, holy fucking shit. You yeah. know, you're, you're not you're not tricking them. You know, you're not yeah. fooling them with a fake scream and a prey movement that uh, that you see a lot in, in bad decoy work. But um, were there is there a, a real a real bite scenario of any of the dogs uh, other than the Digo on the throat uh, story that that stick out in terms of just from a fucking holy shit that dog fucked that guy up damage standpoint that stick out? No, I mean because again, all mine were you know either they're attached to the limb or. You know, I had dog fucking one time grabbing a dude by the balls and, you know, pull him around. I mean, it's very, very real, like right in the yeah. fucking groin. And it's like, um, but nothing like that first one. I think I was kind of spoiled with, with yeah. that just because it was downhill from there. Gnarly. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, you know, always trying to, trying to do better. And, yeah. I mean, I, I'm always fascinated by it. I mean, I, I've, I've taken bites through suits from a couple dogs that, even through like a, a semi comp or, or middleweight suit, um, you know, and, and even with a fucking neoprene gauntlet on underneath, been had tendons damaged, and, yeah. and uh, I've had you know a number of a couple different dogs have bitten all the way through a fucking suit and opened me up legitimately or, or significantly, right. you know, and, and uh, I know there was you know some some different training trips that uh, that I was a part of that uh, you know with the, with that group that. Uh, that there was there was an instance like that a guy that i actually hired to to do some of the decoy work got bit through a suit by by one of the dogs at the command that all the way through the suit fucked him up but uh is there is there any any stories of any of the other dogs that did significant uh, damage like that out of my own morbid fucking curiosity um I, I, yeah so i was uh i i you know i've got i got to see some of the some of the pictures of dogs doing some damage. I mean, straight up filleting. Yeah. You know, filleting people, and it's not like they're. It's not like we're leaving them on very yeah. long. You know, like it's like you only want to leave them on as long as you need to in order yeah. to to get done with because you need to move on to something else. You yeah. know. But it's always funny though because like, the first time you know some of the new guys see the the dog bite and they're like holy fuck like yeah. you know like this shit's really happening right now yeah. it's like you know wwe right in front of you you know and you know yeah yeah dogs you know coming off the top rope you know and so it's uh you know i've seen i've seen pictures of calves being pulled off i yeah. mean straight pulled off yeah like how the fuck does that happen yeah um like a fucking holiday ham. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And here I am smiling about it. I'm yeah. really not that. Yeah. Not that I, well, I mean, to me, I, to me, I guess my fascination with it lies in that, you know, I think it's, again, it's a misconception with a lot of people. They don't realize, you know, you see movies like fucking, I can't even, I can't even remember the name of it, but fairly recently here that, um, where you know there, there's there's kind of a, a misconception, you know, you'll see, and I'm using the dreaded air quotes, bite work. You know, in some of these movies or uh, or whatever, where it's it's very misrepresented. Yeah. You know, it's it's almost like a not almost. I mean, it's a game. You know, yeah. almost more like a herding instinct where the dog's just kind of nipping or grabbing some clothes or whatever, yeah. and it's funny and people laugh and whatever, and they don't realize. And, and I get this a lot of people like, well, I'll just I'll feed my fucking left hand to that dog and grab its throat and it's whatever, and it's like it's like trying to grab onto an idling chainsaw, yeah. you know, and, and trying to fight with that. Like like it's it's not it's considerably more significant than I think a lot of, a lot of people realize. Uh, and it's one of those things where it's kind of like being in a suit for the first time, especially yeah. in, 
if you're not in like the Ray Allen fucking space suit, <laughs> you know, size suit, yeah. but in, in a in a legitimate you know semi comp or comp weight suit where you're going to feel all of it, right. um, and you get a dog that bites pretty well, you know, that first time where you experience that, like you you can't explain that to somebody, you no. know, and and you don't get. A, a healthy respect for what their ability or their capability to to do damage like that even through a suit is until until you feel it and you really only need to feel it one time where you're like holy fuck i hope i never yeah. have to fight that dog you know but i mean uh, we've had people that you know uh, you know squirters run off on target and they know the dogs are coming after them and they bring you know extra clothing to, to wrap around their arms and yeah. try to you know it doesn't work yeah None of it works. I mean, yeah. when you have it, I can't imagine what it's like when you have a, one of those dogs on you, and then, yeah. you know, you, and then now you have all the guys, you know, coming, coming, yeah, swooping in right green after. Eyes, like yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a bad fucking day for sure. Um, so that was a four month deployment, and, and at the end of that or during that, that was when extortion one seven happened. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we when we go on deployment, you know, we kind of split up and do our thing, and so Jet. You know, he's with his troop. I was with mine. And, um, you know, one night I was sitting there. Uh, I got, got done working out. And I was sitting down watching Family Guy. You know, because you have to find something to, like, if you're not going out, it gets boring. Yeah. You know, so I'm sitting there watching Family Guy. And uh, uh, one of the handlers walks into the room and he says, uh, turn it on. Tells me to turn it on this feed. And I was like, holy fuck. I was like, what is that? He's like, that's one of our birds. And immediately I felt, you know, just like, you know, it already sucks. Like, you know, you've already lost people. And I was like, so who, you know, do you know who was on it? He's like, everybody. And uh, so, you know, we hurry up and, you know, go over to the jock and, you know, we talking to, you know, everybody and trying to figure out what they're going to do. And they ended up not sending us in, you know, because, you know, they're afraid that, you know, try to do something stupid and try to pull people out and um instead we prepared to go to their where they were based out of the the fob that they were in and had to pack up all their stuff and um you know they started bringing in some of the charred guns off of the helicopter and you know some of the kit and some of the items and shit you'll never forget like yeah you know and then i'm sitting there trying to pack up all the jet lee stuff and you know, uh, Jet was like a brother to me. I mean, we would, you know, we would do things that, you know, you know, brothers would do, you know, and it was a very hard time because, you know, you still had to stay over there and do what you're supposed to do. There's no like going and seeing them off. And, yeah. um, you know, we had to go to the ramp ceremony and, and I've never seen so many fucking, so many, caskets you know being sent back and it just uh you know you're going through all their all their stuff and trying to pack up your you know jet like fucking going through his computer you know making sure that you know there's nothing on there that um you know is from the from the command and you know i put in his headphones because i just wanted to see what he was listening to last you know i don't know that sounds kind of weird but you know kind of just remember who he was and uh yeah, it was, uh, and it, it's crazy because, you know, you're like, why the, why were they all on one helicopter, you know, or yeah, why did, or why was it a National Guard helicopter? Yeah, so that, I mean, that, and we were, I was 
where I was with Tigo that uh, year before, it was the same place. We had National Guard. I remember the first op we went out on, they were like lighting up the LZ, you know, with where they were landing with the fucking overlight or whatever it was, you know, like, I know we're out in the middle of the mountains, but like somebody could be there, you know, like, but, uh, I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast with first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. El Despierta Contento Deal. Te tenemos un secreto. Saber que vas a empezar tu día con desayuno de McDonald's hará que tu alarma deje de sonar así y empiece a sonar así. ¡Despierta feliz! ¡Feliz! Tu sausage McMuffin with egg con salchicha caliente, queso derretido y huevo viene al doble. Viene al doble. Dos por solo, 5.50. Precios y participación pueden variar. Producto individual a precio regular. No puede ser combinada con ninguna otra oferta o combo mío. ba da pa 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 Yeah, that really fucked me up. I, I, you know, you, you spend time doing workups with all those guys and, and then for them to all be gone just so fast and uh, the way they went, you know, one of the uh, uh, rangers, so the rangers were there to, to to get them all out. You know, they waited for the helicopter to be done. And the ranger dog handler asked me, you know, he's like, do you want to know how we found Jet and them? And I was like, fucking not really, but go ahead and tell me. He's like, well, you know, we found Jet and Bart. Um, Pretty much like fused together, I guess. You know, like just holding each other and, uh, or Jet holding Bart. And, uh, you know, you're just, you hear that and you're like, man, his last moments are going down. And, you know, Jet, Jet loved Bart. You know, he'd always call him all kinds of names and, and whatnot, but, you know, just fucking with him, you know, type of thing. But, you know, he, he, he loved that dog. And, um, you know, you just try to cherish all those moments that you had with him and, that was really hard, though. I'm not gonna lie. Like, it's it's, it's hard to hear it. Um, you know, just you know, hear, hearing and seeing the emotion, uh, you know, in, in your voice, you know, is fucking bringing it out in me. But, um, yeah. what uh, you know, what what was the 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 pivot like? I guess for you on a um, on a personal level, for you know, was was that like at that point you had decided, you know what? you know I'm, I'm not doing this anymore or what like can you, can you um, walk us through that so, so no my my initial reaction uh you know after all that was um to one get sober because i was drunk you know <laughs> like we went out and drank some beers and yeah um it was uh you had to uh that was the only way i knew how to like deal with that at that moment you know i couldn't go and fucking see my family i called my wife and said uh she was in Chicago. I told my wife, I was like, you need to get back to Virginia Beach. Like, they're going to need you. And, um, you know, because of all of Jet's family. I, I, so I called her and I said, hey, something happened. I said, uh, I can't tell you, you know, what exactly happened. I said, but, um, uh, you know, Jet's Jet's not, not you know, longer with us. I said, but they're going to need you. So um, I just, for me, it was continuing to do the mission over there because, you know, there's no point in 
you know, you can dwell on it so much and then you just have to, you have to get, get to doing something again. So they finally got us back out and working again, but it was, it was just, it's like a fucking wind just taken out of the sails, you know, you're just like, you know, you got to do it. You know, and that's when we, you know, I told you the things about Brando going out and finding those people. I mean, that helped, Yeah. you know, but. Because that you was still in the had same, to, same area? Uh, no, no, no. It was for a different area, yeah. yeah. Was there, um, in terms of the kind of on a big picture standpoint with when that happened, was there a, because, you know, one of the things I talked about with Eddie a little bit was kind of the conspiracy, uh, conspiracy theory type bullshit. And mm-hmm. I, I really liked and appreciated his response, which was like, you know, it doesn't fucking matter. The fact is, you know, nothing's going to change. You know, it happened. It, it's war. It sucks. Yeah. I am curious, excuse me, from a, a broad spectrum standpoint, like, did that change the way you guys operated? Did you focus on that area harder? Did they, did they do anything like that to kind of? No, I mean, they went after the guy that, you know, they did a kinetic strike on the guy that did it. Yeah. But, which sucks, because it's like, why can't we just go and fucking, you know, like we've hit other targets before, you know, that were less, much yeah. less, like, yeah, let's just go fuck this guy's world up, you know, but, well, yeah. they ended up doing that, you yeah. know. Yeah. But I thought it was like a, you know, it's a quick death. Yeah. For what he did. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it was just one, I mean... Sounds like it was more of just a kind of a lucky shot more than anything else. It was, yeah. I mean, that's what they that's what they say. I mean, yeah, you hear all these conspiracies and whatnot, and if it ended up being it, like, yeah, you know, they find out. But if not, like, you know, like nothing, like Eddie said, there's nothing, nothing's gonna bring him back. Yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing that with me at the uh, and, and with us. Um, yeah, it's a it's a powerful story to say the least, and uh, I know I know it's not easy, but I know people need to hear it, uh, and will appreciate it as much as I have. Um, so at that point, you essentially decide uh, that you're that you're going to punch out, and and uh, what what was the the getting out process like um, for you? Yeah, so uh, I ended up transferring to Little Creek, and then they, uh, you know, I was in charge of the kennel there, and um, I was having some psych issues, you know, I was going to see a psychologist. I, uh, you know, I got picked up for chief petty officer and I was having these issues, you know, and, um, I would drive to work and I would have to pull over cause I'm f- like fucking crying. And it's like, you know, I can't go in. I'd lock myself in my office, you know, cause of, you know, they had an office down in the kennel and you probably weren't, you know, you weren't like in the fleet fleet, but like, you know, like a chief in the fleet, like, you know, for me to show that, you know, there's something wrong with me, you know, just what I didn't, I didn't think I could do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I kept it all to myself and, uh, I finally, uh, went to the surgeon who had did a lot of my stuff and I was like, I want you to put me up for a med board. If you know, you think that that's what I need. Um, I was like, I can't do this shit no more. I was like, my legs hurt. I was, uh, living off of, you know, fucking Vicodin. You know, because that's that's all that I could get, do to get through like the fucking pain. You that's know? like, were you taking that all day, every day? Kind of. I was. I mean, I was. I was taking you know here and there. You know, pretty much on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, and uh, was that for for months? For that was for months. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I just didn't. I felt like I just had no more to give. You know, like I gave all I could. 
at the command because I felt like I had, you know, something to prove a purpose. But, you know, when I left there, it was like, you know, I no longer have this, you know, the chief's mess in it, there. I will say like my chiefs took care of me like, yeah. cause I, you know, having to try to explain to your division officer that you're fucked up in the head is not going to work. So, yeah. um, you know, I put in for LDO, the officer, and I got selected for that. And I, and people were like, why are you getting out? I'm like, cause I, I can't do it no more. I was like, my legs are killing me right now. Yeah. And, uh, in my mind, you know, like fucking, I didn't think I had PTSD, but when you're like stopping, you know, going to the base every morning because you can't, you know, Little Creek still has helicopters and shit. So I hear these fucking helicopters buzzing around. I'd have issues. I mean, I'm good. I'm, I'm a lot better now. I mean, I, there's, I've fixed myself in a lot of ways. Like, you know, taking pills and stuff like that. I won't even touch the shit. Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, it was a, just a rough time. So they ended up putting me up for a med board and that all went through. They medically retired me. And then, uh, I got out and what, I was like, what year was that? 2013 yeah. is when I got out. So 10 years yeah. afterwards I got out and I tried applying everywhere. I couldn't get a fucking job. Like I applied to home Depot they didn't give you a job. No. Home mm -hmm. Fuck you, Home Depot. <laughs> no, no, no. So um, I applied on like this, like, uh, 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 what is it called? Uh, like all these veteran, you know, higher veterans. Assistance program. Yeah. Um, you know, applied to Walmart, like just like, you know, some of their corporate security type things. And, you know, a lot of people were like, you know, either you're overqualified or underqualified. Yeah. And I was like, well, just tell me what you need me to do and I'll do it. I ended up getting a uh, a license as a real estate agent, and then I found out that really, you know, wasn't for me. And I ended up training one person's dog, and they gave me they were trying to give me a few hundred bucks, and I wouldn't take it, you know, because they were, you know, they, these were enlisted people, and I was like, I don't want your money. And then from there, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna be a dog trainer. I already know what I'm doing, and I, I just need to learn more at it. So that's when I started, you know, seeing who had the best schools. And uh, going from there. Yeah. Um, then I told my wife, you know, hey, we're going to move from Virginia Beach. And we're going to move to Texas. Just the command decision, we're moving to Texas. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I come down here and I put all my faith into, like, starting this business. Is there a, any particular reason you chose Texas and San Antonio or was? Yeah, I went to this entrepreneurship program and there was an entrepreneur from from San Antonio, Texas, and he was telling me about how, you know, how it's, you know, growing and growing in the Hill Country area, and I just, you know, I was like, all right. And so yeah. we came down here, to, me and my wife came down here to look at some, you know, just look at the area, and we're like, yeah. Yeah. We could live down here, and, uh, you know, we had started the whole Patriot dog training up in Chicago, Illinois, as just a, just see where it goes, you yeah. know? And uh, even before then, when we were thinking of the name, we we're just thinking of you know military patriotism. You know, I love my country. I love you know serving, and you know we get down here, and and it really just kind of takes off. And now we've got people from all over you know the U.S. that you know are wanting us to come pick up their dog and train it and bring it back to them, and you know as well as in the hill country area. And yeah, 
almost 10,000 square foot facility. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I haven't been, but the pictures and, and clips and shit I see online, like, God damn, that, that's some top notch. You're moving on up like that, well, that start, facility's nice. Yeah. I started out of my garage though. Like, you know, I just, I didn't go out right away and just do this like big fancy thing. Yeah. I just, and explaining to these people, I'm going to keep their dog in my garage, you know, <laughs> in a crate. And they're like, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. But they trusted me and they, and I did well by their dogs. And yeah. What, uh, what, what drives you and motivates you, uh, now as you operate and, and continue to grow, grow Patriot? What, what's kind of the, the, the mission statement? Um, so, you know, what drives me is to educate owners, you know, educate owners is that there's another way of training your dog. Like yeah. it, it doesn't have to be all just let's strap on an electronic collar and just force the dog into the position. Or it's not just like, let's just give the dog all these cookies and treats. Like there's a way you can actually communicate with your dog and have them enjoy doing things for you. I mean, cause that's what, that's all, all they want to do in the end is please. I mean, I, that's what I think. I think dogs just tend to want to please and do the right thing and, and make their situation better. Right. Like, yeah. so for me, it's just, you know, it's just educating owners and, yeah. and just, you know, having a better relationship with their dogs, saving dogs from some of these, you know, being put yeah. down. Or, or just owners that you can tell the dog's fucking miserable. Yeah. 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 What, uh, a couple of questions I have written down that are, sure. that are a little bit broad spectrum, but, uh, could you pinpoint top three worst mistakes you've ever made with, uh, with a dog? And it could be, you know, even with a pet dog, you know, in the, in the training business you have now military, you know, you name it, anything that stands out as big fuck ups. Other than trying to kiss the one dog that we are, <laughs> um, God, I you know when when I first started this, um, one of the I wouldn't say this is a fuck up, but just grouping a whole breed because of what you see on the media or what you yeah. see on Facebook. Like uh, when I got out of the military, I only had knowledge of shepherds, you know, some labs and Belgian Malinois and Dutch shepherds. And then you hear like like fucking pit bulls, like uh, you know, yeah. fucking ki- you know, killing everybody, you know. And it's like, and so for me, when I got my first pit bull, I was like, all right, what's going on, you know? And uh, but it's not like that, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like you know, we choose to, you know, hold a whole breed accountable. And so that's one thing for me. I try to preach to people like it's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I end up you know spending half half of my time whether it's the online training or. Uh, questions people ask or or whatever i mean i just i just posted a video actually talking about you know is your breed dangerous and yeah i mean i you know to me it's people talk about nature versus nurture and you know to me it's both you know breed is a good general starting point but you know with with the poor breeding practices uh, and the selective breeding practices that have taken place in both this country and in Europe over the last, we'll say, 50 years, you know, has both uh, heightened some elements of certain dog breeds and completely ruined others. You know, um, I I know you've seen it, uh, as have we all in the industry. You know, there's, we'll we'll just say labs because they're so fucking popular. You know, there's labs that that are pet dogs that you could bounce a fucking ball off of, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and you could probably, you know, fucking beat them to death before they would bite you. Uh, and there's other labs that are so fucking prey driven. They're as, as prey driven and hunt oriented and environmentally sound as the best Malinois I've ever seen, <laughs> you know? And so to say, well, labs are X like, well, fuck, you know, there's, there's the whole spectrum and that's true with every breed, you know, yeah. there's really shitty examples of every breed and there's fantastic examples, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad to, 
it's nice. I guess it's refreshing to hear the the kind of full circle mentality. You know? Yeah. But and, yeah, and I can't really think of any anything else. I mean, you know, or just the way that I used to train, like always, just you know, weren't you know the whole correction thing, yeah. like forcing a dog to yeah, and not really just spending time to you know you know free shape behaviors and ha- and actually have them enjoy some of you know yeah. enjoy what they're doing. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, no, I mean that's that's absolutely the backbone of, uh, of of how we do things here. I think you know you and I probably train pretty fucking similar from the sounds of it. And that you know to me it's just like uh, all aspects of life. It's about balance, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that's you know I think I think sometimes between my my first book and I don't know how people read Team Dog and not can't extrapolate that I that I will correct a dog. Uh, I mean I talk about it pretty in depth in there as well as my online training, but. You know, to me, it's like with kids, it's like with employees, it's like with anything is that, you know, primarily there needs to be a good relationship. You need to figure out how to motivate them and then use that throughout the entire process. And then after all of that, if you're still having issues, then yes, I, yeah. I, will, I will correct the dog. If, if every, every other uh, option I've used to try to, uh, you know, do it through not necessarily positive means, but just balanced means doesn't work, then yeah, I'll get in the dog's ass just like I will my kids. Like I'm not going to default to that, right? but I, I damn sure will employ yeah. that if, if that's what's necessary, you know? Um, Another kind of corny, cliched question is: uh, most amazed or surprised you've been by a dog, or or top couple of examples. Most amazed or surprised, it, it would probably be the dog that I have in right now. And again, it's it's the dog that you know when she brought him to us, he was all defensive and just didn't like a man with a hat. And you know, I had him working with somebody else. And he sees me walk in the room and he starts wagging his tail, wanting to come over to me. And it's like, yeah, you know, to see that because this dog was a bait dog, I guess, you know, that's how she, you know, got him. And, you know, so he, you know, didn't like men and he had all kinds of issues. And, uh, and he still has issues. Like, you're not going to take that shit out. You're not going to take the baggage out, but you can give him a, a slightly different perspective on if you keep doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. But, um, you know, just seeing a dog, just seeing, Again, I've seen all the dogs change from day one to to the end. I think that's what I'm terrible at. I don't think I, I don't think I really do too much before and after just to see how different these dogs are when they're yeah. done. And yeah, to to reduce it, you'd say resiliency. You know, yeah, their, their ability to to be resilient. Through, absolutely through means. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, from your perspective as a tier one canine handler, uh, is there a a biggest misconception that the public has about military dogs that, that comes to mind? Uh, I mean, that they're like these trained killers. I mean, they're, I mean, they can, but it's not like they're these vicious yeah. fucking nasty dogs that are, you know, gonna, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just, yeah. that's what everybody asks me. Like how many, how many people have they killed? Yeah. Not enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what yeah. everybody's, everybody's response. Not enough. No, I know it. Um, what uh where can we find you and and as we kind of wrap up here what uh i know you know for people that that live anywhere near san antonio or or want to enlist your services no matter where they're at uh, how can people uh, find you get a hold of you and if you could also kind of synopsize uh what patriot canine uh, or patriot dog training rather offers um so that people know exactly what you do if if they want to give you a shout yeah so we're on all the uh, social media you know instagram uh facebook uh, PatriotDogTraining.com or just Patriot you know, forward slash Patriot Dog Training. Uh, like I said, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we're down in San Antonio, so we serve 
uh, San Antonio with the boarding and the daycare and, and the training. But then, like I said, if you're outside of that area, we do do, you know, pick up for the training and then, you know, of course, bringing them back to your facility or bring them back to your house and, yeah. and whatnot. So, I mean, we. So like a mobile, like you'll go pick their dog up type of thing? Yeah. So like I just flew out to L.A. to go pick up a dog and then I brought it back to the facility. We trained it and then brought it back to their house and, you know, spent, you know, three or four hours with them showing them how to. You know how to operate the dog. Yeah, you have you have to do both. You can't just see a lot of places. Here's your dog. Have a nice day. Yeah. We, we got your money. No, yeah. like this is like a lifetime deal. Like as long as I'm alive, I'm gonna make sure that you know you you, you know we try to help you as best we can. Yeah. You know. So. And what and the what's the website? Uh, www.patriotdogtraining.com. All right, so there, there you have it, folks. Um, anything that you'd like to add um, to our discussion uh, and or otherwise? No, man. I, I thank you for having me on. I, I feel so blessed to, that you, you know that you'd ask. Yeah. Well, I, I uh, would like to take a second to to thank you for coming and and sharing your story. You know, there's a lot of things that uh, that I learned about both you and and your experiences, and uh, you know, as well as some of the the details. Um, you know, that were fuzzier for me than they are now uh, in, in terms of experiences both you've been through, the command, uh, you know, a couple of the dogs that I'm familiar with, et cetera. So uh, I, I, I can't thank you enough for driving all the fucking way up here and, oh, I don't and, mind. and telling the story. So um, the uh, before we wrap up here, one thing I do want to um, talk about um, just in terms of products and stuff because people ask all the fucking time. In terms of the stuff that we have going on, um, I mean, all the Q&As that I do, in fact, we released a podcast today, another another Team Dog Q&A. Um, the online training is designed specifically for that stuff, uh, is, is to help with the issues and you to be able to do it uh, kind of on your own program and, and try to work with the dog yourself. And because of this episode, uh, we're going to offer a code uh, for 25% off, and the code is Benny, B-E-N-N-Y in honor of uh, Mr. Olson here, uh, so that uh, you guys can take advantage of that. Um, the Trico supplements, the shit sitting on the desk here, uh, the CBD oil, we do have uh, the human flavors now. It's still uh, designed for pets, but it's also designed uh, for your your uh, ability to, to stomach it instead of having to mix it with bone broth or just <laughs> stomach chicken liver flavor under your tongue. Uh, one quick note, uh, if you're watching, it's Key Lime is the full spectrum. Uh, these are 500 milligrams. And then lemon lime uh, is the isolate. Uh, and one kind of general rule of thumb I like to adhere to and, and what I prescribe myself to uh, is I do the lemon lime isolate, uh, which has zero, absolutely zero traces of THC in it. Uh, I take that first thing in the morning and I use that for mental acuity, cognition, things of that nature. Um, the full spectrum has traces, uh, albeit it is traces. So if you are a government employee, a cop, uh, somebody who gets piss tested on the regular, I recommend the isolate because uh, it has absolutely no THC and, and you won't be affected. Uh, I feel comfortable telling you that. Uh, the full spectrum, again, it has traces. Uh, there's a 99.9% chance you're not going to. I don't know how much of the shit you'd have to, to guzzle uh, uh, for you to for that to register on a piss test, but uh, just as a disclaimer, it is technically in there in trace amounts, so we have to have to tell you about that. But uh, those new flavors are awesome. The dogs still love them. I put them on, on food and they'll still, still eat it. No problem. Or straighten their mouth. Uh, make sure you shake the bottle up, uh, put it under your tongue and leave it in under there for about two minutes before you uh, get a little swig of water to rinse it down. But anxiety, pain, uh, depression, 
uh, inflammation. Um, I mean, there's a host of benefits. Go on tricosupplements.com to check that shit out. Um, and just to give people a heads up, when this airs, uh, some of these products may already be uh, in circulation, but we do have crates uh, coming that I've designed with a crate company. Um, you know, that are designed specifically for dogs that don't like being in them. Uh, and it's kind of the last crate you'll ever have to buy. Uh, franchises as well, the Tricos franchises, we're right on the cusp of launching those. Uh, we'll be uh, opening it up and offering just a couple uh, at first. So it may be a little competitive, but keep an eye out for that. Uh, we do have our Tricos collar and leash combination uh, that will be made by Ray Allen. Uh, and you'll be able to get it on Ray Allen's website and get it really fucking fast. Um, which we'd uh, had some issues with selling out and, and uh, the turnaround time was, was taking too long. So um, we'll be working, uh, are working with Ray Allen and those will be released uh, by the time this airs, as well as dog food and treats, um, a dehydrated version uh, with a dog food company uh, that we're excited to launch here uh, very, very soon as well. So uh, that's my paying the bills pitch uh, in terms of the shit that I have going on. Before we uh, close out, again, I want to thank you for coming. Um, for those of you listening, um, you know, to, to be able to sit here with Benny and hear, uh, you know, the, the raw emotion and, um, you know, the, the instances and circumstances and experiences that he has had uh, overseas um, makes me, uh, as a fellow veteran and just as a fucking American, uh, incredibly appreciative of men like you uh, who have been willing to roger up uh not just once but a bunch of fucking times back to back um my hat's off to you You got fucking balls of of solid brass and uh i am thankful and uh i I can tell you that uh, the listeners you guys fucking better be thankful um you know that there are men like you that uh, that are willing to to roger up and and answer the call to to go do the things that you've done so on behalf of a grateful nation and myself uh, we appreciate your service uh, to you, the listener, uh, as always, uh, without you guys, uh, Benny and I wouldn't be able to sit here and share these, uh, these stories with you. So, uh, I cannot thank you guys enough for continuing to tune in week after week, month after month and showing us the fucking support that, uh, that you guys do my, uh, my humblest appreciation for your support. Uh, thank you for tuning in as always. And until next time, this is Mike Drown. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first-hand witnessed accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first-hand witnessed accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. 
Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.